Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Jim Gray. Hey, hey. Talking about Gray. Jim Gray. Jim Jam. Gray Slide. <laughs> Jim Gray, Fifty Shades of Gray, before we start here we go okay hang on all right welcome to another episode of believe in skateboarding uh i am your host and um i'm here with somebody so let's find out who the hell it is i'm jim gray who the hell are you i am bud stratford and that's laura richards over there hello laura richards and bud stratford um what brings you to to my podcast yeah that's a good question what whose idea was this uh (laughs) i think it was yours was it really yeah but I, i do podcasts with everybody uh, some of them don't get published. This may never get published. No one will ever hear it. That, oh, uh, I have 50 episodes I've done, oh, but I've God. done okay. 600 podcasts. Oh, well, so God. you guys could be in the other 550. Knowing just, that it just... might never get published, that's a weight off my shoulders. I now. know. I like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, you guys are in town picking up some skateboards. We're picking up some right. skateboards at Madrid because we own a company called Zeppelin Arrowworks. And uh, we picked up our first run of boards today. First run. That's really awesome. And you got those from Jerry Madrid and Craig Harbick, who used to work with me, I assume. Craig Harbick is, is our point guy over there, yeah. I've never met Jerry. He's a pretty decent dude. Craig's aw- Craig, Why did you look at the microphone weird when you said that? Like, he's a really awesome I dude. Craig he's knows I love him. I, I, he's one of my three listeners, yeah. Did he um, pay you to give him a plug? Craig doesn't. No, Craig doesn't need it. Craig Harbick, I love you. Um, now We probably, all love you, Craig. going to point yes. out that I talked about you on my podcast. Uh, Craig was an amazing employee, stuck with me till the very last days of Acme, literally had to hold his paycheck several times while we were gasping for air to survive, and Craig hung, and I think Craig was sad to leave, and uh, mm. you know, and then sadly we went into a short stint with uh, Brad Dorfman, which is just really kind of a horrific experience we don't for anybody talk who's about ever Brad been Dorfman. there, um, and when he finally got out of there and got to move on to real pastures, he got to work mm. with Jerry Madrid, who was another good yeah. friend and amazing human being, so... Yeah, never um, met Jerry, but yeah, Craig's are definitely our prank guy over there in Madrid. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry is a is a solid dude, and his wife Angela, just good people. So, mm-hmm. um, shout out to Madrid Skateboards and all the Madrid crew, and especially Craig. Um, okay, so you're here picking up some new skateboards. Um, yep. So let's uh, let's go back. Let's talk about. Uh, uh, well, first, how old are you? I'm fifty, forty nine. How old am I? I'm forty nine. Almost fifty. Okay, all right. almost so you're 50. ten years younger than me. I lie about um, so much. I can... when when did you start skateboarding? <laughs> I was like nine years old when okay. I started skateboarding. Okay, so brown plastic uh, banana board. Really, all right. That's, yeah, that's good. Jupiter. Where, where did you grow up? Uh, I started skateboarding. Um, it was a small town about an hour southwest of Milwaukee called Waterford, Wisconsin. Waterford, Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah, we so had a. Did you big... ever get the turf? And... Yeah, that's the piss part. So when I the day I got my first skateboard, I'd wandered off from my parents into the toy store to go look at toys and check out the skateboard. I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool. And my dad kind of wanders in behind me and I didn't realize he was there. So he's looking at it and he goes, oh, skateboard. He's like, yeah, we'll get you one of those. And, you know, like if you if you get good enough, there's a place in Milwaukee 
Oh. And, and I'll take you there. And apparently I never got good enough because I never got to go to turf. And I still resent my dad a little bit to this day for Bummer. not. But, I mean, plastic banana board. We hey, can Dad, if turf. you're listening, because I know some of his dads listen to podcasts when their kids are on them. Um, you need to take your kid out for a nice dinner because you, you kind of screwed his whole life up. It's probably a, bit, a, lot, a lot of counseling necessary for the rest of his life because he didn't get to skate the turf. Right. Yeah, because the turf was like, well, you skated it. A couple times, yeah. it was. Just, How rad was it? it? It was really cool because it was just of its era. It was tight. Slippery. You had to put on like ninety-two durometer wheels to survive because you yeah. drop in the bowl and you slide all over the place. Um, but it was just incredible. You're indoors. You know, I mean, luckily I got to skate. There's an indoor park in Mission Viejo. Uh, there was only two others that I know of: what Apple and uh, Cherry Hill. Mm. Um, there may have been others, but uh, so just to get it to skate another indoor park was amazing. Right. Um, it was cool. It had its own little scene. You know, having to be there uh, tour with like tracker guys. There were some Santa Cruz guys there. Um, so yeah, I got to skate with like Dressen and Keith Meek and mm. and all my blockhead guys and Lester Kasai and we just it was we had a great time. It was the place was super fun. I have some great footage from there. So. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe. B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So I have to like live like vicariously through you now because I never got skated. You do, yeah. So if you really like y'all, I mean, if you want, if you're really nice, um, well, you bought me lunch. Was, by the way, they did buy me lunch. Tacos is great. Bear Flag Fish Tacos. Shout out to Bear Flag Fish Tacos. There you go, shout More paid endorsements. Well, no, they didn't pay me, but I print their stickers, so they're customers. So Oh, so they um, do. And they're good people and they make the best tacos around. So um, They were epic. Although they make, they make the best tacos of that type of taco because I can't put, I was with Wing from Wahoo's Fish Tacos today too, and I saw him. So Wing's nice. a good friend. So whoo, shout out to Wahoo's Fish Tacos. We're doing all sorts of free advertising today on the podcast. Well, yeah. Especially fish tacos. Um, like, there's definitely a continuity going on here. Yeah, there's a lot of fish tacos in Southern yeah. California. Um, Wahoo's is basically uh, a little more of the Brazilian flavor. Okay. Um, so, but they're they're both really good. But so you bought me lunch, so we're basically saying that you're an okay Well, you're a team rider, technically, so, so we have yeah. to take care of our team. I know. I, I like that. I like I like how, see, I actually technically ride for Zeppelin Aero Works because Bud said, will you ride for us? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, so now we're team riders. This is awesome. This is how, this is how formal I am. There's you know a, what's funny? There's a great story a about this. 32-word text. T- contract yeah. or, or nothing? No, yeah, but... I have to tell you the story though because Laura's going to get a bang out of this. So when we were putting together the idea for the company, which is mostly Laura's idea, by the way, I just kind of went along with it reluctantly. Smart man, that's what men do. Yeah, because you know she found the Smart artwork. Men. Yes, always say yes. And and her thing was, you know, you need to do this company. And I was like, honey, it's not that simple. Like I've done this before. Okay, and I was like. Starting a skateboard company is a massive investment of time and money. And she's like, well, it's a good thing you have a lot of time and money on your hands, isn't it? And I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, my God, she's kind of right. I'm never going to get out of this now. And so, but we're driving up to Flagstaff one day. And I was like, I really missed having a team. So I'm like, I want to put a team together, I think. And she's like, well, who do you want on the team? I said, okay, so break out your phone and take some notes. So I'm going through all these names. And I wanted people like that were pro between like 73 to 83. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just started off the top of my head all the pros. And then, of course, we had to eliminate all the ones who passed away and all all the ones that had other commitments to other sponsors. And we had a a short list. All the really good and talented ones that wouldn't talk to you. And then you were left over with Jim Gray. Well, no. Like, there's no one left on the list? No, uh... it was a a big list. (laughs) But but the reason that you got the call first of everyone else is because I figured, okay, all these people are going to say no. But I kind of know Jim, and he's really nice, so he'll say no like the nicest. 
<laughs> he'll be the nicest no and then everyone else will be like go fuck yourself bud but Jim will be like oh I'm so flattered and stuff but no so I was when I talk, I talked to you and you're like oh yeah sounds great yeah sign me up I, I was I turned around I was like I, I think he said yes well, I yeah, couldn't I mean, it's, it's 2022 like I can ride for seven companies if I you want can. Yeah. right I mean I come from an era where you were sponsored by one company you only mm. wore their shirts you were loyal loyalty's out dude I'm gonna sell yeah. your shirts to other people and wear other company shirts there that's you how go. we do it now yeah. yeah there's no respect Absolutely. for a customer and but my board better be when my name on it has to be good and has to look good well sure and then we're cool but you well, know. that's why I did the graphics um. make sure it looks good and so the, so I was like, I think, I, he didn't say no. That's the funny part. I think he kind of said yes. So then when I called Laura Thornhill and pitched it, because she was the other person, I thought she'll also be sweet. Because I know, no, she's a very sweet gal and everything. Said, she'll be, oh, I'm so flattered. And, you know, oh, my God, but no, you know. And so, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Every time you tap the table like that, you're going to hear it in the recording. Okay. You hear that, people, at home? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, all three listeners in I'm, four yeah, countries yeah, exactly. right there. Uh, and so when I called Laura and I, you know, talked to her for a while, she said, well, who's on the team? I said, well, as of right now, it's just Jim Gray. And she said, oh, I like Jim. Sign me up. And I was like, I, I hung up the phone. I was like, I, I'm bait, man. That's what that's, I'm really all about. I'm bait. That's bait. two yeses. I couldn't believe it. Jim Gray on a hook, man. Throw and, me out there. And so by, by the time, you know, Wenzel came along, I was like, oh, he'll say yes. Really cool. I only met him for the first time face to face, like uh, a couple months ago. Malibu. super. Cool oh, really? Guy. Super cool. Guy. Wenzel's yeah. great. He's yeah, really awesome. great. He had. Um, we actually got him on the team because um, I was Facebook friends with him for some reason. I don't even know how I became Facebook friends with Wenzel Rommel, but he was setting up one of those SMA high rollers that he had gotten from Skip. And so he's like, I'm setting up this board. Skip gave it to me years ago. And I actually messaged him, like, you might not want to set that up, Wentz, because that might be worth a few bucks. And besides, it's a present from Skip, right? I was like, we're going to be making something pretty similar to that. So why don't you hold on to Skip's board, put it on the wall, and when we start cranking out our boards, we'll ship you one of ours. And then he can wreck that because it's worthless, right? It's not sentimental or anything. And so, and, and so he was like, okay. He, he was like, I'll I'll ride for you, but but under one condition. And I was like, okay, well, what's the condition? He's like, you have to sponsor my buddy. And I was like, oh, okay, well, who's your buddy? He's like, Greg Weaver. Have Have you heard of him? <laughs> and I'm like, Greg the Catholic Kid Weaver, like the cover of Skateboarder Magazine, totally. Under Iconic. the Light yeah. guy. Like, no, never, not aware, not at all. That's really funny. So I was like, of course, of course, Greg, we can do it. Of course, yes, please, by all means. I have a Greg Weaver story. Oh, do you? I do. It was like, I mean, I only met Greg in the last decade. A lot of the guys like, you know, uh, you know Jer- Jerry uh, Valdez, because I didn't only met in the last decade. You know, it's awesome because I've become really good friends with them. Right. Because uh, I was, you know, only a couple years younger than them, but they were in magazines and I was just some unknown kid. And I came up right behind them. They were in for a few years and they all disappeared and I sure. kept going, but... You know, the years go by. You, you want to meet all those people in the magazine. So Greg Weaver, uh, I met him in town, but there was a uh, the old bros. They have a ramp in, in Carlsbad or did. There was a ramp, and they had like a 4th of July party or something. Um, and I went there, and, and uh, Greg was there. And the nice thing, I brought my mom to that party. You oh, know? really? And my mom was kind of getting, you know, a little tired, so she went in the house, sat on the couch, and Greg Weaver was, like, waiting on my mother. Greg Weaver was getting her, like, <laughs> what would you like? Oh, that cherry pie looked good, and he's going outside and getting a piece of cherry pie on a plate and coming back, and, like, and my brother was a really big Greg Weaver fan. My brother's the guy who got me into skateboarding. Okay. You know, and so he kind of dragged me along, and I just 
happened to adapt to it pretty well and got good and sponsored. And I remember going to Skatopia with him and seeing Greg Weaver there putting his little out Hobie outfit on and polishing his wheels and like, oh my God, the king of the world, Greg Weaver. And, you know, but I never got to even have polishing a word with him. his wheels. Like, you know, seriously, like wiping yeah. his wheels off before he went and the thing it was like brand new board. It was just interesting. Um, but but still sticks in your head as a kid, like right. this big superstar polishing his wheels. That was interesting. Uh, but now now I'm sitting in a house in Carlsbad with a bunch of friends, and here's Greg Weaver, who I've just met, who's a wonderful guy, and we get along great. But now he's like literally waiting on my mother and like bringing her a cherry piece of cherry pie and a drink. And can we get you anything else? And um, the whole old broker has been amazing. My mother, she's 91 now, wow. but she, when she was up till like 85, 86, 87, I'd bring her out. They'd have like a a beer party and I'd bring her out and they'd take a picture with the whole crew and put her in a chair in front of everyone. I mean, they were like really good, but yeah, but Greg waited on my mother. Very, That's very, awesome. So, so, so Greg's on a team too. Well, you know, so the you thing, think or kind of, or you well, don't know. So there's something going yeah. on there where, you know, uh, from, from what I've heard from Wentz is he's hesitant to do it because I think he had a hip surgery or something. Oh. And just doesn't skate anymore or something. So right. I think he feels weird about doing it or something along those lines. Well, I guess, you know, I guess because they come from an era one doing. I mean, this goes back to my Acme days, right? Right. Just, I didn't want to make signature product because signature product didn't mean anything anymore. Right. A signature doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't. It's just giving someone a nod, like, welcome, join us, hang out with us. That's why shop kids have a signature on. But Greg Weaver's an iconic guy who grew up in an era when you got a signature product. They were going to sell tens of thousands. It was going like, to be a right. big deal. It was going to be a big campaign behind mm. it. <clears throat> so on some level, Greg, if you're listening, you should understand that like it's just an honor to be included in a crew, right? Because that's the way I look at it. Right. That's why I have that art school board up there. They're friends of mine. We've done a couple runs. They didn't make much money. I didn't make much money. It's like, give me mm. a few boards. We're happy. Like, we're friends. Let's high five each other. Um, so I think, but I think there's the mentality that, like, there's expectations. There's, like, if you're going to put my name on something, I'm going to need to, like, perform, show up. No, no, it's like we're just giving an ode to the legend of Greg Weaver, really, is what you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. You know I mean? It's not like you're expecting him to go out and put on a show right now. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, you know, for, for a lot of these people, like, like Laura's a good case in this, you know, um, we've been working on Laura's graphic for a while, for quite a while. And, you know, she's very... Um, She's a little hesitant, I think, because you know, she wants just the right graphic. And then I realized at some point, well, it's because all of her graphics she's ever had on her board have been the one color Logan oh, Erskine okay. logo yeah. with just her little signature. Yeah. She's never had a full color graphic. Yeah. And so now she wants like a 52,000 color graphic, which is perfectly fine because we can do it, thank God. But she's kind of like, well, I might, I might want this though. I might want that. and But... I've been totally patient because she's never had a full color graphic so in you have, her you life. Have Forty-eight thousand colors picked, and you have seven thousand more to go. Is oh yeah, something. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and um, but I mean, but also, I mean, who's going to do her next model? I mean, we're probably going to be her last pro model, possibly. And so, you know, I can see why she's like serious. Well, I, tell you, I have seriously. thirty more coming out this year. Oh no! So way. simultaneous. I actually did think once because I get asked by a lot of people, "Hey, you want to do like a little guest model or sure. that?" And usually, never follow through on it because I'm lazy. If you follow, see, you're doing it because you follow through on it. Right. Other people ask, and I just never get around. I've had graphics drawn. Yeah, it's cool, and they never mm-hmm. get put out. Like, okay. Um, and I think it's funny, but you know, I thought maybe one day I'll try to do twenty in the year with mm-hmm. like twenty different brands. Just, you know, just go make, keep going. Yeah, yeah. why not? Like, well, I mean, Steve Olson. Because I, I personally, as a guy in the industry, who tried to make the, like you guys are kind of blowing the whole model thing by going overboard with it. I might as well blow it out completely, right? I might as well be the person who just does like fifty models of, for himself, like, and then people could say, "Oh, he's all egoed out." Like, oh, we already knew that. That's a whole different I, I, issue. I, I mean, how, how many people does Steve Olson ride for right now? I have no idea. I mean, it's a big. Is it really? That's funny. I said I don't. I don't even know because that thing. It's so fragmented now. There's so many people making yeah. so many skateboards. Um, I ride a skateboard first, 
That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. I picked up boards today. I did this little demo thing. They were doing this diaper drive. It was a charity thing. And my friend Glenn calls me and says, you want to come out and skate with us for a little bit? I'm like, that's eh, an excuse to go skateboard in the morning rather than work. Sure. So I um, go out and skateboard with them. They have different, like doing slalom. I've never done slalom much, but they have all these fancy slalom boards, Skate Kings boards, and all these. I'm looking at looking at truck brands I've never seen. And, Up here this morning? Uh, 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 yeah. In oh, neat. Like, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at the trucks. Like, I've never heard of that brand. I mean, and there's there's so many brands and stuff that nobody even knows. So Olsen might ride for three brands I know and three more that I don't even have never heard he's of. kind of everywhere man so he's uh he's yeah. in so he's in like tequila ads on tv so is he really yeah steve olsen's way cooler than us and hey well, steve yeah. fuck you i know you're cool so fuck you <laughs> um, so uh and you know you're cool too that's why you get an extra fuck you because uh when you know you're cool then you know it doesn't matter anymore the the first time i met olsen this is a, another funny story i was at um oh i was in columbus ohio for one of kelly malika's outlaw races they had the, the derby hill in columbus and, you know, Kenny Malika's must be really well-connected because Hackett came and Chappett came and Gessmer was there with his, like, mega timing system. And Olsen was there. And, yeah, I was trying to be, like, all, like, nice. And, oh, my God, such an honor. And he totally, like, blew me the fuck off. Like, I was a piece of shit. So I got home that weekend. And so we're I, talking shit about Olsen on my podcast. I like that. Well, we're talking shit about you, Steve. No, but Steve this blows is... me off sometimes. And he's known me for, like, 40 years. So, yeah, oh, so you're not alone. I'm oh, I love alone. you, Jim. Give me a hug. Now get the fuck out of here. People can see me talking to you. So I went home, <laughs> and I was talking to Blair Watson from Skull and Bones. And, you know, he and Olsen are pretty good friends. So I told him, I said, my God, Steve just blew me off. I'm so heartbroken. He's like, you're doing it all wrong. Like, you need to treat Steve like shit. Completely. And, and then he'll... Whatever, like you, maybe you're absolutely right. And so the you next, walk, that's why I'm talking shit right now. It's like, right. hey, Steve, fuck you. So the that bre- would be good to me if I was like saying, I really like Steve Olsen. He has neato style and he grinds really don't, special. No, He's don't gonna do that. you kook. Yeah, it's like no, fuck you, Steve Olsen. He's Smoke gonna... twenty packs of cigarettes yeah. and choke on your goddamn ashes while you frontside grind. Parliament, and you still do it good. He smokes Parliament. No, I see. I wouldn't. So anyway, that. so the the next outlaw, Kenny Malika again. Hackett and Olsen are there. So I, okay, so I go up and I'm standing there and Olsen's, I'm like, hey, Bulky, can I have a cigarette? Like, so I was like, okay. So he goes and <laughs> goes and gets it, brings it back and he hands me one. I'm like, a fucking parliament? Seriously? Like, who the hell smokes these things anymore? Like, what are you going to do? Like, get me some cools now or something? Or, I mean, what? give me a lighter, fucking Jesus. And he was totally nice to me. And Because you uh, put him on, treat like shit, yep. Yeah. Like, say it. Thrasher, Fausto, indie guy, you know, he was the same way. I felt so I got bad, his though. I said, fuck you, you stupid little fucking, you know, called him names I can't even use because it's 2022. I'd get in trouble for it. Well, this um, is a podcast. Um, this is a family friendly podcast. I get it, but, you know, but, but yeah, then from then on, he's nice to me. If I told him you're a fucking kook, you it's know what I mean? That, then he's nice though. to me. But if I was like just a nice person, they treat him like shit. It's like, okay, so fuck you. I'm not going to be nice to you anymore. I'm going to treat you like shit. Right. And now you have respect for me because you think you only have respect for people who treat you like shit. It was I don't get that. I don't get that. You know, so. It was the weirdest experience. It was the weirdest experience. Especially well, I guess women you beat keep coming back. I've never tried that. Okay. You know, they go fuck away, but I haven't, I haven't beat <laughs> a woman. Fuck you, Steve Olsen, but fuck you, Jim Gray. Yeah, I know. It's just like, I, like I don't beat women, I'm saying. So, like, you know, I, and I know it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always I'm work. Saying, I, that's probably very bad to say in Why? 2022 either, because, damn it, is there anything we can talk about in 2022? If, if I ever beat Laura, she would stab me in the fucking neck and cut my head off. Well, that would be good, and it would no, be okay. I cut your head off. I would, like, stab you in the neck and let you bleed slowly while I torture Oh, yeah. You. I know I she's put a lot of thought into this, channel. I know. I kind of kind of heard that was a plan. That yeah. wasn't just, like, a random thing that came out. No. That no. was a process. She has it written down yeah. somewhere. Here's the blueprint for your death, honey, right here. I've got like 10 of them. 
Oh, nice. Stay on top of your game. Oh, amazing. I'm looking at a couple where they decide on how to kill each other right now. This makes my podcast interesting. I wish it was visual so you could see the facial expressions. So, like, as a team manager, like, how do I get Olsen? Do I go and say, you're not fucking riding for me, Steve? Hey, I'm starting a company that you are way not fucking cool enough to ride for. Yeah. No, I, that wouldn't work either. I don't know. How do you do it? I don't know. I have no idea. It's, I mean, I have Buy to Buy a cause... pack of Virginia Slims or something. I don't know. That will do it. Oh, nice. That. Watch out, Steve. <laughs> That's all I got to so, say. Watch out. I actually exchanged with Steve. Like, I'm going to fangirl for a second. We bought artwork. Oh, yeah. That's what we did. We bought the artwork. So maybe I'll contact him and say, hey, remember fucker? We bought this artwork from you. <laughs> remember That's a good start. Remember fucker? And, you know, we have a skateboard company. And, you know, fuck you. We're not going to ask you to be on the Yeah, show. we totally don't want you to ride for it. Yeah, we have a list of people who we would never have on our team. And you're at the top of the you're list. The so what yeah. do you want? You ready? You want to do a model? Right, because exactly. you're on the band list, so right, exactly. Yeah, I don't really know how it works because I'm I'm on the fringe, like I'm 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 not in the brass ring club in the inner circle or the second circle. I'm like third circle. That's kind of like we're having jump. a big party, like you know, who do we invite? Oh, first I don't think about me because I'm on the third list, you know. But if I show up, they'll usually let me in, so I'm cool enough to almost be on the second list, but not quite on the first list. Um, but I don't get to make any decisions. Uh, but all people on the first list will call me to ask my advice. So the decision right. usually involves me, but never in the room. Not outwardly, though. <laughs> they'll get your advice and then they'll deny it. And no one would ever admit that they talked to me. Right. I didn't talk uh, to Jim about this. Uh, that was actually one of the funniest things that ever happened to me. Someone was doing a newspaper article and she was I, I called like 15 different people. They asked, you know, like, give me three people I should talk to in the industry. And you're the only person that every single one of them said really? you have to talk to Jim. Cause he, cause, well, because honestly, I'll talk straight. Right, mm-hmm. I'll tell it like it is. I'll be honest. Sure, you could go to different people. You go this NorCal guy. He's got he's gonna bullshit like everything's all about them. This guy here is gonna lie about oh their scene or mm-hmm. whatever like that. My thing's like I wasn't part of any of those scenes. I was a little bit part of all of them. So I'm right. just gonna tell you the truth. But you're not you embedded know? enough um, to talk the um, shit, I guess. Well, I'm not embedded enough to protect people. I protect mm-hmm. no one in skateboarding, but I also don't go after anyone. No. I just love skateboarding. And right. if you if you don't love skateboarding, then fine. Then just don't love skateboarding. But if you if you manipulate skateboarding or try to like pull the wool over skateboarders' eyes, I get irritated. You know what I mean? I just don't like that. I mean, because I just think skateboarders deserve to know what's real about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And let's face it. I mean, you, you've been around long enough that you've come to realize that most, 30 years, most people are fronting something. They only they cover a certain thing. There are very few 100% honest people in the skateboard business side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all... They're, they're honest to whatever helps them sell their product. They're honest to whatever protects their little brotherhood. So they talk shit about brands they know damn well are as good or better than theirs, but it doesn't matter because it's all about this position yourself to elevate above. And that was never my mentality when I was a skateboard company. Are you, are you I talking about Indie shook, Tracker by any chance um, right no, now? No, I'm saying, but it goes way deeper than that. It goes way deeper than that. That was just, that was a... That's a whole different poison pill. I'm just talking the, the general culture. People like mm-hmm. they, they, their company, their truck brand, their wheel brand, their team guys, whatever, they, they, they fight to protect that quietly. Well, Not openly. No one does battle, but no one, they don't uh, try to lift other people. They just try to do their little thing. It's their pocketbook, though. I mean, I, I, think yeah, it, I get it. I think it was Lance that said something like, you know, at the root of all controversy or at the root of all disagreement, it's right. usually the pocketbook. Oh, no, no, it's for sure. And well, it's life. true. It's not just skating. No, you're right. It's not. Yeah. But it's it's kind of sad when something you love, you yeah. see get manipulated. And you see it in even the movies when they talk. When they, the old movies, the Dogtown movies, they come up around. What tore them all apart? Money. Yeah. yeah. Popularity came in and, and different people from all over just started throwing the freaking hooky fishing line out mm-hmm. there. Here's some bait. Here's 10 grand. Oh, here's 20 grand. And here's they all bit. You know? They all bit. They all bit. Because you're young. Here's the one thing with skateboarding. No one... 
and, and like when I did my Acme thing and I wasn't going to try to overdo signature models because I thought it was overdone, um, I knew why everyone would do it because what kid is going to say no when you tell him you're going to give him a signature model? You know, and my thing was just like, but, but, you know, mm -hmm. I looked at the other side, like, what if, wouldn't you laugh if you walked into Big Five Sporting Goods store and saw 73 tennis rackets with different people's name on it? You know, it wasn't like the champions, it wasn't the winners, the basketball mm -hmm. shoes, you know, you see three basketball signature models. What if every single shoe you just walked by said, Stan, Stan, Steve, Phil, mm -hmm. and 90% <laughs> of the names you'd never heard of. You'd be going like, what is with these idiots? And that's how I felt skateboarding was becoming in its own culture once you were 300 deep and 400 deep and 500 deep god knows how many we have seven eight hundred pro models out now oh god yeah. all sorts of so again it no longer means anything but uh i don't know just just a just a different strange little world that's so, quite a tangent we took off down there yeah we've always gone yeah, so let's get back you started one. skateboarding so i started skateboarding in in, in, in minnesota and <laughs> not minnesota in wisconsin, wisconsin. Um, and then uh so then what happened is uh, i had that board for a few years and my parents got divorced and i ended up in new hampshire with my mom and mom mom yeah, yeah. yeah. Mom. and then uh it had loose ball bearings so they started to fall out at some point being a clueless kid dad's not around to fix it I figured the board's toast. Can't fix it. Threw it away. Not knowing. You could just buy. Replace it. Just sold it for six grand today. But it's okay. Probably, yeah. What an idiot. So then, <laughs> so there was like a few years I didn't skate, but I wanted to. And then one of my buddies in the neighborhood had like a skateboard. So like at the height of like, you know, 88, 87, somewhere in there. So it was at the height of, of like the vert generation. So there's some backyard ramps. And tons of, there was one yeah. right next door to my apartment building, which is where I met this kid actually. Yeah. And he's like, oh, like, yeah, I have a board for sale. You can buy it like for 12 bucks. So, and it was like a Roscop 5 with Veriflex trucks and Bam Bam wheels, which we were talking about Bam Bams earlier. Sorry, Rob Roscop, we just devalued you. You only were worth 12 bucks. Yeah, well, but dude, you know how much lunch money I had to save to buy that fucking thing? Like, it was like three weeks. I starved every day for three weeks and I came home and just ate zero. Like, my mom was like, what's wrong with you? I'm nothing, I'm fine. And then I came home with the skateboard. She was like, buddy, where'd you get the money for that? And I was like, I didn't eat for two weeks. I literally didn't eat for three weeks. And then she disowned me for probably like three months because she was afraid I was going to break my neck. And I was like, uh, but then it's like, you can't talk a kid out of that. Dude, it's Roscoe. So is that, is that when you that you got the bug, that that's, real bug? Like, that's yeah. it. This is awesome. I'm, I, I'm, I keep doing I, this. I'm going. Yep, I'm going. And then uh, it was kind of weird because I started skating and like three years later I owned a company. <laughs> like... So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You, you said you were ripping me off back then. I was. I totally ripped off Acme. So back in the day, for the kids that... Wait, was that, can we just change the wording on that? You honored Acme. I ripped you off, Acme dude. I seriously Sorry. ripped you off. A complete, complete ripoff. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, for kids that don't know, a little history lesson here, but the trajectory was like you get sponsored by a shop, yeah. probably. Uh, you know, you get noticed by a company, get on "quote unquote" flow, which in our day was factory sponsored. Yeah, yeah, there was no such thing as flow. There was no such thing. Like you were an am or a pro. Yeah, you're basically. You know, I've had guys ask me later in life, like, "Are you am?" Yeah, which means right? are you sponsored? I go, "What the fuck are you am?" I go, "You're an am." They're yeah, going, we're no, all I'm not. Like, okay, if you're born, you're an amateur. Okay, yeah, so basically, uh, we're all amateurs at the end of the day, anyway, because we do it for the love of it. But anyway, so. Yeah, so you 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 amateur, and then if you get good enough, you get pro, and then at some point Rocco would offer you a company. <laughs> at some point, basically, if you're an asshole, he could make a million dollars off. Depending you, yeah. on how yeah. well you street skated, or if you're Lance Mountain, I guess he got offered something, which is great, Lance. Because by Lance the way, had he should have So that's a whole different thing. Well, Lance, Lance is just a good guy too. He's actually 
Apparently, too Why good for the. Why are saying that on my podcast? He'll never come back if we say he's a good guy. Say he's Lance. He's not Olsen. We don't oh, have to oh, talk I'm shit sorry, on Lance. I'm confusing Lance and Olsen. Yeah, right, we don't. don't the that. two different. Okay, people. all right. Just so, me Lance. yeah, Lance is. Yeah, Laura's a big fan, by the way, Lance. Um, and so and, I think and, Lance may be my actually most listened to podcast, by the way. Oh, I nice. Yeah. And so then, at some point, drug and alcohol habit comes in there. By the way, some usually between amateur and pro, but definitely by the time you own your own company, and then you might have a distributorship, and then you basically. I guess hang out with drugs I, and alcohol I the rest of the time. I some shit because I didn't do the drug and alcohol thing myself. So me yeah. being like a fat little Jewish kid in New Hampshire, yeah. I didn't have that spectrum. So I went from basically from amateur to company owner and skipped. I'm sorry, I just dinged this table really hard. Sorry, everyone. But I just leapfrogged like the whole thing. Did you say, ma'am, I want to start a company? I just had no. To, I, had to, I had to just tease the accent. I think I was still disowned at that point. Oh, still disowned, okay, yeah. Well, because I had a girlfriend that she hated too. So I was super disowned by this point. Like, I was persona non grata completely. Mom, we love you. Bye we now. love you, Mom. But you know it's true. You hated Ashton the whole time. So, anyway. Um, but yeah, So, when I went to start a company, ironically, everyone I talked to was like, you're an idiot. This is a horrible idea. Like, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. Like, everything's going to go bad. The only person that I thought was my crazy ex-girlfriend, Ashton. And she was like, you should totally do that. That's a great idea. Totally do it. I'm going to help ruin your life for you. Let's do it together. And it's so funny because you have all the negatives, <laughs> all the same people in your world telling you no. And the one crazy person that says yes. Because she's a girl. And you're sleeping with her. And she touched your hand and other body parts. Yeah. And, and God, yes. like that, that goes a long way. She's the one we have to listen to. But, you know, she was right, though. She was totally right. I mean, the thing did really well for like 10 years. But, but because we ripped off Acme, though. There has to be. This is the Jim Gray podcast. So now I'm going to go ahead and give you 30 seconds to apologize. No, I'm no, not going to apologize. apology. Come on. No. You're not going to apologize. You ripped no. it up and you're proud of it. No. I'm a business person, Jim. You know better than that shit. I ain't going to apologize for oh, ripping I'm people. Sorry. <laughs> Anyone who says it's just business gets punched in the mouth by me because no, business is people, man. You hurt me and my family for generations. We did it a little differently, though. Okay. But, right. but you did it better, of course. I don't know about go ahead, that. Hit it. But. Yeah, okay, we did better then. There you but, go. See, I, I just wanted a little cockiness there. Yeah, but, but it is different, though, because being in like... And what was England, the name of the company again? Oh, it's called Cleveland? the Cleveland Superboard Factory, but like no that. one ever... They just called it Cleveland. They had too much name. And so, uh, yeah, we did that for 10 years. That was a lot of fun. And then we started a screen printing business to support Cleveland, because we, we didn't have a Screaming Squeegees on the East Coast. And I just pulled my hair out. Oh, well, at the time, you didn't miss much. I used to have to go on Screaming Squeegees and like... Beg guys to finish my boards because they were fishing or something. And I, oh, really? <laughs> I finished my t-shirts there back in the day. That's why I ended up literally building my own screenshot. And they got kind of mad yeah. at me at the time. And it's like, well, dude, I am like, making this company where I'm making thousands of skateboards. I say need thousands of skateboards. If you want to take the week off to go fishing in Mexico while my boards are on the racks and your guys when I show up don't know where you are or why their boards aren't getting printed. I mean, like, it was it was different, uh, different era. So, I don't know how many yeah. screen printers we went through on the East Coast. And we had one. So actually- I had a guy stumble in my shop who had... Worked at uh, uh, he had worked at World Industries. The guy had worked at Pal. So all this tech, and so he's like, and then he worked for Dorfman. Name mm-hmm. comes up again. He hated working there. So he's like, I want to work, you know, I want to print skateboards. But I, so I built the screenshot because I had a guy who came to me, sure, who knew how to do it. And I'm like, what's this an unemployed screen printer? Um, well, you, you kid who wrote for like small rooms, worked for small room skateboards okay. up north, and um, and then you know came down this way and got a job at World Industries and you know again didn't like their vibe there or whatever like that but you know learned some shit there and when came mm-hmm. down here and we, of course Dorfman wanted to steal the technology we don't want to talk about Dorfman back, no, you know really. um, but well, we wanted to steal we'll, the technology we'll he couldn't get it 
you know, yeah. himself. And then so they built a shop there, but he hated being there. So mm. he came to me and we built a, there you go. built a screen shop. Yeah, I mean, I ended up having to do it myself because we could not find a screen printer on yeah. the East Coast. One of them actually printed our boards completely backwards. Yeah. Like the, the nose was the tail. And it was just like... Well, so we ended up being a real screen. I mean, we built a screen shop for Acme, but we built mm. a screen shop called Ink Dispensary. Yeah. And we printed, you know, whatever, black label same, boards. Same I mean, what Schmidt shipped us... Uh, Boards to print, and they shipped them the screaming squeegees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, we printed all kinds of stuff at the screen shop. We printed a lot of surf laminates. We printed tons there before we finally, you know, we built the wood shop eventually, mm-hmm. and you know, started making a lot of their boards as well. But so then I had know. this, I had that company for ten years, and it's funny in retrospect, I retired like at thirty-one. Like I'm like I'm old. I'm like I can't do this anymore. I'm old now. I'm thirty-one. I got to bail and get a real job or whatever. And then I ended up moving to Indianapolis and working at a skate shop, through which I. Discovered Concord Wave magazine from, from one of our sales reps. That was Michael Gage, actually, at Punk Rock Skates would come in. And I had set up like a dog town, Red Dog or something, and behind the counter. And he comes in and he goes, You into that kind of thing? Almost like code. Are you into that kind of thing? Like it's drugs. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I'm into that kind of thing. And he's like, I got something you need to see. And he brings in my first so you thought he was like, you saw your joint, and he's going to bring in a crack pipe. Yeah. But no, he exactly. saw your skateboard fetish, and he brought in a concrete it's wave magazine. Just a magazine. I was yeah. so disappointed, because I really thought it was the crack pipe. Yeah. But so the difference being, he saw you riding a unique skateboard mm-hmm. rather than a clone skateboard. Oh, of course. So he thought, one. you need to see this magazine, because it's a unique magazine, not mm-hmm. a clone magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's probably how I would describe Michael Brooks' offbeat Canadian-based startup uh it was uh, very it was he went for it in his own way he was and it's funny because i i started working in so i got the magazine and i read it overnight it's good so the next one i just dropped michael an email like hey you know thanks for the neat magazine like it's kind of refreshing you know history comes alive or something like that he literally wrote back like i think three hours later or something wow. he's like hey have you ever thought of being a writer i'm like my mom's thought of it a few times, but me? No, I've never given so it So a lot up. different than if Steve Olson owned it. You would have said, listen, magazine, I mag- said, your magazine no. sucked. It was the shittiest, <laughs> shittiest toilet paper I ever used. I hope I never see another copy again. And then he'd write back, hey, you want to work for us? It was, Is that different? You know, Michael's like, oh, not, thank you for being kind. Yeah, and I was like, I've seriously never thought of that. And he's like, well, you should be a writer. And I'm like, based on what? Like, you don't know me. You talk a lot. It was a great letter, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome letter. Oh, no, you sent me your letter you sent me once. Yeah, the you sticker sent me, one. You uh, sent me something for stickers or something. I forget what I, I, I copied it. I know that. I think I posted yeah, it Yeah, you posted it well, a couple you know weeks ago. Because I was going through, you know, millions he of archives. He saved my letter, by the way. Well, what happened? I couldn't believe it. No, because I had, I had like, um, you know, I mean, when you have all this stuff passed through your hands, mm-hmm. comic books, art, you know, art, art boards. I mean, I have so much random flat files of art and stuff like that. But that was like... I'm having to move out of my Acme. I'm watching my business collapse, and I have, you know, thirty thousand square feet of space and condensing and blah blah. And I and I, what do you throw out? What don't you want? And I used to keep a lot of letters. I would take the letters that people would write in because mm. um, I did something very unique with stickers. Mm. I used to say, people would say, send a buck for stickers. Yeah. And I said, send a buck, we'll send it back because I wasn't looking for them to pay for. I remember stickers. those. So I used to have a lot of people to mail us a dollar, or they'd mm. mail us a check for a dollar. We'd put their stickers in an envelope, and we'd put their dollar back in it. And the, part of it was a test. Mm. And you actually made some really good friends, and people were like, they really didn't te- fucking take my yeah. dollar. They put it back in my envelope awesome. and That's mailed it back to us. That's integrity right there. And uh, so that was a unique thing. So but we would get some really interesting letters. That mm. Just like the Thrasher gets, they, they post the things, the letter of the month. People would draw 
interesting stuff on the outside envelope and stuff like that. So when I went to throw out the bazillions of letters I had, um, I just went through and sorted and picked like 20 or 30 that were really cool looking and yours was in that pile somewhere. So I was one of got, the 30 yeah. out of the thousands. Well, however many, 30, 50, 20, I don't even remember, just enough to where I wanted to keep a few from my historical archives. Because um, I still have a lot of fantasies, as you see from sitting in here, boards on the wall, stuff like that. I probably need 10,000 square feet if I was going to have a Jim Gray museum. Sure. I mean, because because I was a pro skateboarder, a manufacturer, you know, whatever. So I have my own personal stuff advertised. Then I have the person, then the advertising for brands I did. Mm. And then I have boards that I made for other companies and, and a lot of the art that came with an art boards. And I licensed GNS for a period of time and blah, right. blah. So I have a lot of original stuff that has made its way to me that I, I, but I don't have enough places to put it. So those letters would make a great, you know, whatever, four by four mounted posted thing hanging on a wall somewhere. But I mean, look around. Do I have any more wall space? Right. You know, so there's still in this holding pattern of this dream archive in my head. Right. So I hope I don't go to die with it because my kids probably already hate that I have all this shit. They're going to have to get rid of someday. Um, you in a gold mine, by the would way. Realize, um, well, you know, we'll see. You know, like uh, at least it's a gold mine in my heart. That's for sure. Right. Everything is about that's where it's at. It's in my heart. You know, so I would love, love to do that. So that's why I just kept that just because someday I hope that I could make a you know, a, a, something Museum. out of it, something beautiful out of it, just something that you were, I'm fortunate to have been able to have that. And your letter was in there. And the letter was just this, it was a very well-written letter. It was sarcastic, which I appreciate it a lot. It got to be sarcastic if you're going to get me to pay attention to it. Okay, okay so wait, wait, wait. We have to have a little intermission here, right? This is important. Okay. Kids, all the kids in the world listening to this right now, right? Whenever some responsible person tells you you're being stupid for dreaming about something, you need to realize something, okay? You might write a letter to some random company Right. When was that? Probably ninety. Well, I started in ninety one. So somewhere yeah, so in that, somewhere like ninety one, ninety two. You might like write a letter 90. to some random company. Your letter ends up being one out of the thirty they saved out of thousands of them, right? And remember I'm a fat Jewish kid from fucking New Hampshire. I shouldn't have amounted to anything, right? Now, thirty years later, I'm sitting across from the guy that I wrote the letter to, and he's telling me my letter was one of literally thirty that he saved. Like, don't... And, and neither of us would have thought we'd be doing a podcast because we didn't even know what the word podcast meant. Right, podcast So you just wait for 30 years from now. There's going to be some new form of something that ain't going to be a podcast. This is going to be probably buried in the freaking archives somewhere that people don't even know where it's at. But yeah, but it when, all changes. When your parents or your guidance guys tell you you're, you're crazy for doing what you're doing, don't listen to them because you never know. You never know where that road is going to take you. Well, and you know, and honestly, then you can look and we can say kids or even adults or whatever, who are the hell's listening to three people. Even four, Olsen. Three people in the four countries that are listening. Right. Um, Don't listen, Olsen. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you never you never know where life's going to take you. never know where life's going to take you. Yeah. And it can take you to some amazing places that you would never... Dude, and I you're would, almost 50 and I'm almost 60. I never... And we're both having more fun than a lot of other people are. I never would have dreamed that I would be sitting here today. Like, this is, you know, weird. I make dreams come <laughs> true, man. Thanks for listening to my podcast, where dreams come true. Yeah, sponsored by, way, by... We're sponsored by the top 50 taco places in the uh, Metro yeah. Huntington Beach. Yeah. <laughs> I can name, I love Sancho's tacos. Good, too. Hey, here's out Sancho's, the Flaco Taco, one of my favorites. But the thing, my life and, like, the spectrum, I think we've kind of started... Are you on the spectrum? The, the spectrum is... You think of stupid idea. Everyone tells you you're an idiot. You do it anyway, regardless, because there's always a one crazy ex-girlfriend telling you to go ahead and do it. 
And then every you know, and, and then you write a letter to Conquer Wave, and next thing you know, you're sitting on the editorial staff of the damn magazine. I just wrote a letter. So kids, go, go write some letters to some of your favorite people. Well, you that's never I know think about skateboarding in general that I think a lot of people don't really realize. This whole veil, if there's a veil to pierce to be on the inside, there really is no inside. It's like uh, someone told me this when I was 19 years old, and it applies to skateboarding or anything. And it was I was in the mortgage business. This guy came up to me, and he's like, Jim, I'm going to tell you something. Power is taken, not given. You know, uh, and I'm like, okay, let me think about that. Basically, people in power, whatever power is, meaning like they look up to you, you you're you're acknowledged or whatever you're a position of authority you take charge you make things happen like that you know usually do it on their own Mm -hmm. for whatever reason comes from deep inside them Mm -hmm. okay so it's not that someone said like hey i like you come inside it's like they stepped inside so this inner circle of skateboarding you have to just step inside Mm -hmm. Um, you do certainly have to have some sort of backup you can't step inside and be a clown and and be a complete jerk or that but there's lots of people who aren't the best skateboarders in the world the best photographers in the world the best sort of like that Step inside the realm hmm. and read it, understand it, get to know people, um, befriend them. And, and again, in the honest way, when hmm. you do it in the suck up way or the I work in your way and everyone sees that and kind of rejects or like that. But it's not an impenetrable circle. It's not the inside. No, it's easily penetrated, like, yeah. actually, if you I can mean, write a letter uh, good enough. write a letter, but just show up and even just be there. The reality is, you know, it, it, when I was a kid, I dreamed of, you know, whatever, before I ever wrote a skateboard. Johnny Bench playing baseball or, or you know, whatever. And, uh, but one of the closest I could get is in the stands, like on an autograph day to wait in a line of 200 people to like get near him. And there was no selfie that got to take with him. Whatever. Like, I guess that didn't exist back then. You offended, mm. he, he scribbled something you threw in a drawer you never saw again. But skateboarders go to the skate park or whatever. And Tony Hawk shows up. Nigel mm. Houston rolls through. Ryan Sheckler shows up, you know. Um, and they get to go, oh, I'm in a like session with these guys and realize that they're they're real people and they're not like so unlike a lot of other things and and let's face it there there is a lot of fame in skateboarding because there's millions of people that do it mm. so they pay attention to who came up through it mm. so it's not a lot different than a pro basketball player or baseball player to those who do it right but skateboarding most people who grew though. up a complete baseball fan still will never meet any of their heroes in their life or if anything they'll just see them on the field. 100 yards away, but never get to go near him. If I'd been a baseball player and I was a fat Jewish kid from New Hampshire, you know what I'd be right now? A fat Jewish kid from New Hampshire. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I would have never amounted to... No, so the... skateboarders circulate. They circulate amongst them, Joe. Yeah. And, and the one thing I always loved, the best contest I always loved was the, was the pool party. Mm-hmm. Um, because, obviously, I'm a transition skater, but that was, like, from the legends to the masters and the young guys. Um, I would watch Tony Hawk fan out on the new kid coming up, Tom Shar or whatever like that. And I'd watch, you know... Tom Shar or somebody like that come in and just kind of tripping out that they're actually in the same building with Bob Burnquist or like that. Mm-hmm. And so the legends and even the new kids, everyone's fanning out on each other's talent, on each other's skill. And uh, so yeah, even the complete fans. insiders of the thing are yeah. fans. I mean, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Everyone's and, a fan uh, of something else. Yeah, Lance Mountain's a total fan of skateboarding. Oh, Lance so is a total was, fan you know, of everything, yes. Absolutely. And he's a fan of yeah. style tricks, you know, whatever. And oh, then yeah. they stay in their own little circles. But the thing is, He's not impenetrable. You can meet Lance somewhere out oh, yeah. of the thing. You know, it's like, and and you don't really meet people. I did a skatercon actually yeah. a couple months ago. I yeah. stood in line. No, Pete was standing in line. I was standing there because Pete wanted a picture with Lance. I'm, so I'm there, I'll shoot the photo, right? So I ended up in line, and yeah, probably spent about ten minutes chatting it up with Lance. 
He's so humble. Such a humble guy. No, he's, he's a good dude. He comes, well, I do lot of stickers for him for his little independent project. So he's, he's yeah. here probably once he a, month, a month. He has a lot of ideas, too, actually. A lot of ideas about skate park design and he, stuff. He's great. I mean, honestly, I think Lance has been an amazing thing to have in skate park design because skate park design is so out of line with the logic that needs to be thought because skate, skate we were parks talking need to be capacity-based. Let's get because, into this real quick you know, because Lance yeah. brought... That was a big, like... Most, most skate park designers aren't building for capacity. They're building for fantasy. You know, and yeah. I, my biggest single joke, as I said, they build for Wednesday at 10 o'clock when the kids are in school. Yeah. When they can skate there by themselves after they designed it and ride it for a couple hours with no mm-hmm. one around. Mm-hmm. And then after school, everybody runs into everybody. Everything collides with everything else. They build one line straight into the other line. They build mm-hmm. things into walls, into... It's like... People, you gotta fucking have flow. You gotta have not and, and flow in directional, like flow and then out. Then mm. you can go back for another lap or like that. But when you have like ping pong, pinball machine flow and stuff like that mm. in a park where you need to have fifty kids hanging out and physically only three people can functionally skate at one time, mm. that park's never gonna work, mm. you know. And uh, and so there's a lot of problems. Well, at least Lance. Uh, but Lance takes it to another level there on like with pool design. Mm-hmm. Lance cares about the reality of like the height, the angles. Most anything Lance ever worked on was very rideable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's there's I mean, there's tons of kind of stuff he worked on that got modified stuff like that. But in, but in general, I mean, his own backyard stuff was his backyard. The pink tile thing he had in his backyard was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Every inch of it was rideable. It was so awesome. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other guys will build something with like kinks and sharp walls and. You know, so, I mean, sometimes I hate, I don't put people down like that. I love a lot of the parks. I've ridden all these parks by Grindline, Dreamland, like that. But I've ridden, someone will say, oh, Grindline's pouring. And I go, ooh, where's the surprise? Where's the, like, I'm going to drop in and, like, follow my face because the whole thing was super smooth. And then there's one wall where they put, like, three feet of hurt on a four-foot wall. You can't tell till you drop in. You're mm. on your face. Like, that's great if you're a city and you want to hurt the kids who work for you, you know, or you're building it for only five kids that are going to be pro. But when you're building it for everybody, mm. like, I try to build stuff that's functional, not pansy, not easy, but like functional, like safe and and, and rideable, not just gnarly. Build that shit in your backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're going to have your own private sessions, build crazy shit that's deadly and dangerous. When you build it for the public, build it so lots of people get to go have a good time and come back for another good time. You know? I think that, um, you know, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase Lance on this. Because I don't want to speak for him because he's Lance Mountain. Lance, yeah, we're speaking for you, buddy. No, yeah. no, no, not even. But, no, but he could have shown up. He, he well, that's true. Did we invite him? No, well, but it doesn't matter. He still could have shown up. Yeah, I suppose. So you're missing out, Lance. Yeah, sorry, Lance. You you can be the next guest. Have you done Lance yet? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he was amazing. I think he's my oh, most okay. listened so, to one. So I think what he was kind of what I was talking about at least was the fact that you know he's talking about like the Olympics and stuff and how it's influencing skate park design. So they're building huge Olympic parks, but they're not building anything for like the little kids to learn on. Yeah. Oh, they do that in most parks. So it's there's no, there's never beginning area. Yeah. There should always be a beginning area. There should always well because you point out like a Delmar, you had the reservoir, and then you had the small warm bowl. Up spot. Yeah, we always then, warmed up in like the banked freestyle area. Exactly. Then we went to the back part of the park. And then we worked our way towards the pool. Exactly. And, and yeah. you had the keyhole or something there, and but yeah. then you had something in between, like not the reservoir, and not the keyhole, but some smaller bowl. Yeah. No, oh, for sure. That's a huge mistake today. Yeah, and, and, and he was like, you know, like we're choking off like the next generation because like they're not going to be able to drop in on a 13-foot wall like the first time. Like, it's, well, it's ridiculous. And this is where what's always blown me away because the skateboard industry, what they have as an industry, it, their best interest is to make as many people enjoy riding skateboards as possible. Right. You always have to have new people coming in, yep. growing, so on and so forth. If you want to keep selling skateboards, if that's really your objective and you, you act like you do everything else like just business. I'll steal your team rider. I'll steal your customer list. I'll talk shit about you to get business. But if you really if you really want business, mm. you should want the most people to participate. Yeah. So you should be trying to... So you think the skateboard 
industry would be fighting things. We need to make sure skate parks are done logically. We need to take care of the youngster. Yep. We need to take care of the older skater. The ripper. We need, to, we need to like make a progression so they can, as they get better, have better things to go to. And instead we're like, oh no, we built it gnarly. There's going to be like four rad pros come out of that place. Yeah. And yeah. 700 kids who never become skateboarders because they ride there a couple times and go, I don't like skateboarding. Yeah, because too hard. they can't get a run. It's dangerous. They slam. There's nothing for them to... If they just had little mini flowy areas to learn how to carve around then they had a little bowl little quarter pipes off the side out of everyone's way sure it should say yeah. like 12 and under unless the park's yeah. empty know. you know yep. or, or, or like and over then, 50 you know or whatever but then you yeah. then the things I would love to be able to go to a park and go hey kid you know what yeah. please get out of the way of this big crazy run where I want to go a thousand miles an hour and go ride the area we make yeah. and when you get good enough come back you can't tell him that now because there's nowhere for him to go yeah and well, his mommy's like he has the right to be here and you're like yeah well take him out at Huntington Pier and the lineup where everyone and, and try to push him out there and see how if he gets yeah. a wave he'll get dragged off the thing thrown into a pylon and you can fuck off from the pier yelling down mommy but at the skate park you drive mm. up in your minivan you think like that's my little precious angel. He got a participation award and he's here yeah. and he has the right to hold up that bowl for all of you big guys who actually ride it because yeah. he wants to sit on the bottom and roll on his butt. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, Jesus, where did yeah. parenting go wrong? Well, so, can so we there's, there's a lot of that. from the parks if they don't have boards? <laughs> yeah, well, that'd you be kind of cool actually, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, mean, see, I just what... think the rally, we have a genera- we have generational generational issues there. That's why she's my partner, entitled. by the way. She's a genius. Yeah. Yeah, she I might not look genius, that. but she she has her moments of genius. Got to watch her. Yeah. So, but, genius is good. But yeah, and of course, the first thing I said, Lance, is why don't you take that to IASC? That'd be a perfect initiative for them. Well, you know, but here's the thing. The reason there's it's called the Public Skate Park Development Guide yeah. is because I, when I was at IASC, I kept going to meetings saying, like, we need something. We mm. are the industry. We do. The, I learned by fighting for my own park here in Costa Mesa that until mm. you really take the city on and learn how the city works oh, and yeah. go constantly, I went it's to a hundreds battle. of meetings, recreation meetings, yeah. and city council endless meetings. battle. Um, it takes a parent, an advocate, mm. a teacher, you know, someone who really loves skateboarding enough to be willing to do it, loves mm. the skateboarders, and is willing to learn and fight the battle to get done. Sacrifice. Most cities don't just go. What do kids do? Let's see. They play badminton and they ride skateboards. Okay, let's build some badminton courts in the skate park. That's not how it works. Yeah. Badminton people go in the lobby for it, like, oh, I didn't know we needed a badminton court. Okay, let's build one, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Skateboarders have to fight for it because yeah. the soccer people, the baseball people, the football people, they're fighting for it. They've had these organizations, AYSO, mm-hmm. Pop Warner, football, whatever. They, they've been fighting for it for years. We so covered some, a lot of this in the yeah. book podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah, probably. So we're going to fast um, forward. So what I want to do is I want to fast forward, though, though. Like, why isn't I ask currently? Being like, well, okay, so we're doing skate parks. We're doing a pretty good job with them. Like, we got lots of oh. Tony Hawk. Well, doctors. I don't. I say I, I'm not part of IASC anymore. I, I, me and Larry Obama founded IASC. What happened really, to it though? Like, well, unfortunately, when times are good in skateboarding, the the major guys, the major companies. They get all content and don't do anything. Oh, they're when too times busy. get really shitty, yeah. then they get like, oh, how do we revive things? And then they, they, they do initiatives and agendas. Skateboarding's been pretty solid for most of them for the last decade or so. Sure. And they don't spend any effort on new directions. They mm-hmm. just maintain. I mean, we, we did come up with Go Skateboarding Day. That happens every year. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that the Hall of Fame thing was, the, was the a blank initiative, thing. by the way. You um, guys came up with that uh, one too. Well, that one was horrible. I was the one who was telling them you're a bunch of fucking idiots. I actually had a. I that actually made my career, by the way. Uh, that fucking blank initiative made my life oh, happen. Oh, and it was beautiful because, uh, I mean, I, I mean, God, the world without skateboard, CEO. The world without like pros. That, yeah, uh, Neil world Boyd. Pros. Yeah. Now, he did a world without CEO. He, he did, did the, the mockery one. Yeah, he um, was genius but, with but it. But to brilliant. complete the, the I ask thing is, I ask. 
does isn't so proactive. I mean, we did the skate park development guide because I was being proactive for years, mm-hmm. saying like we need something. I don't care if it's a three page folded out telling sure, someone right, you right. need to advocate for skate parks. You need to go to city right. council meetings. You need to rec- recreation meetings, so on and so forth. We need to do anything. I don't care what it is. It needs to go to every skate shop to sit in the counter, so the owner right. of the skate shop knows. The parents know. This isn't. You're never getting a skate park if you don't lobby for it. We started right. started talking about that. Mm-hmm. Well, while we were getting close to at least I was at least being heard about that. Skaters for Public Skate Parks started mm-hmm. a group up in Portland. Okay. Right. And then they actually got wind that we were talking about doing something initially. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You don't even know what you're doing. We've yeah. been doing this over here. Well, well, I found out about you. The rest of the industry doesn't even know you exist. But right. talk to me. Let's talk about this. And basically, eventually, said, why don't we do this together? I go, because you guys have these bitchin' advocates that have set up like a Midwest guy and a mm-hmm. East Coast guy, and you're helping people however you can. You're volunteering. They've already got the I infrastructure. Go, you guys are real skateboarders. I love you guys. Yep. I go, but you have no access to spread it out there the way we do. Right. You know? And then we're like, okay, so we can do this. So how do we make it not like, because that has to be paid for, right? Sure. So I ask, is like, well, we could get a, I mean, I think they talked like Transworld. We could get a sponsorship yeah. thing. right? But, you know, but then Transworld would want to sell ads in it. And so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And then if Nike puts an ad, people are going to think, oh, you did what Nike wanted. Nike, because we don't want to do yeah. what Nike you, or Etnies or anybody wants. We want to do what we think is the best interest of skateboarding. Yeah. Gotta keep so the ads out. luckily, the Tony Hawk Foundation at the time mm-hmm. was basically primarily an advocacy group that used Tony's power of his name, mm-hmm. right? So they could do a fundraiser every year and get, and get a million dollars and right. donate it for skateboarding. So they, sure. had, they had financing, but they weren't operating as a day-to-day assisting cities and so on. So they did a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but not not super deep. On Skaters Republic Skate Parks were more in that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so, but we ended up getting the Tony Hawk Foundation to finance it. Right. So this thing got made, the Public Skate Park Development Guide, by using sure. Tony Hawk's financing, mm-hmm. Skaters Public Skate Park's writing, mm-hmm. and I ask as the group to fuel it. Distribution. And I was the one who had pushed the whole thing to start and get it all together in the first place. Which so, is all great. And then later, because then Peter Whitley, who wrote most of the book, ended up getting mm-hmm. hired by Tony Hawk Foundation eventually, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, and he's not there anymore. But it's like, the cycle went on. But that book started the beginning of when all these thousands of skate parks were getting built around the country. Right. It helped people. If you were an advocate, you got this book for free. Mm-hmm. You paid for the postage. It was mailed to you. It gave you a how to pick sites, how to work with city councils, how city councils work. Sure. How, you know, yeah. Uh, but so, okay, so that started it. So that, that got the ball rolling. Okay. But I don't know if there's any discussion taking place in there about like, right. hey, skate parks aren't being done right. You know what I mean? Well, uh, so so I, I'm going to play the journalist for a second because okay. I have years of being a journalist. Okay. So I'm going to hit you with a tough question here, oh, and I'm no. going to ask you for the tough answer. Oh, okay. No. I understand the whole history, and most of your listeners do because they heard the Michael Brook podcast already, where you already covered all this, right? Okay. Well, I probably but covered it all the time. The $10 billion right? question for the future of skateboarding, you know, from Lance Mountain basically is. This is all great, but when there's a kink in the system, like, hey, we're doing skate parks, but we're detecting there's a problem, okay? Not enough little kid train and or old people train for people like me, because I live on, like, two-foot quarter pipes, nothing bigger, okay? I'm fat, I'm old. Now, so you have a lot of little kids and a lot of old people out there, and you say, there's a gap in our skate park design. Why isn't, I ask, and I'm talking to you guys as the guy that busted your shit for so many years, by the way, because I spent years busting IS shit. Yeah, it never bothered me because I was never the one in IS getting busted. Right, 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 right. So why isn't IS now saying, hey, we have the precedent of we did all the skate park stuff in the early 90s and 2000s. It worked. We got the parks built. But we need to put a couple tweaks in here for the next generation of skate parks so there's more little kid and old person terrain. 
Where why is the leader? It doesn't really function that way. I ask, does it really? I ask, isn't really an office full of people where they have a, a staff members doing something? They basically function enough to have their board meetings, have some initiatives, some right. agendas. But know, here's an initiative, though. No, no, I get it. But I mean, but I'm just saying, uh, this is giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. But saying, I don't know of, and I haven't been part of it for years, I don't even know what the current structure is of I ask. I really don't. Okay. You know, um, so I can't answer that in that sense. But mm-hmm. but I do agree. The problem being the system. The reason it's happening is there almost needs to be someone put in between the skate park designer builders mm-hmm. and the cities. Because what happens is cities now they, skate, they just skate, rely on the builders. Skate, skateboard they rely on the builders, yeah. and the builders are very detached from the skateboard. They're they're very self serving. Mm-hmm. They're based on their own whoever their designers are and their fantasies. Yeah, they want to build what they want to skate. If it's like the whole street league thing, it's on this agenda to build something for their own legacy and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. Um, And so the idea that it's not being thought of based on what is needed for skateboarding, like what is best for skateboarding, beginners, intermediates, growing better, getting professional, you Mm -hmm. know, all this thought out stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. not even, that's not really the skate park builders as i see them are about bid contract win yeah it's like saying like why don't they build their houses more functionally oh well if there's a lot that comes up they put a bid on it they get the contract they're just gonna build whatever how shitty over the plans are well mm-hmm. they're not gonna put any extra work into the plan or making it more energy efficient or making more if they don't have to mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. someone forces them to have to they will right no one's forcing them to have to no one's calling them out no one's saying like your street courses are illogical because everybody runs into everybody else mm-hmm. you're building flow bowls that are could be five different bowls that people could ride on Wednesday and mm. on Sat or, or on Saturday and then on Wednesday when no one's there, you could ride between them and drop from in from one to the other like that. They're not thinking through like how to make things mm. function when it's busy versus when it's not and so on and so forth. They're building all truly based on their just fantasy. Like, well, yeah. I'd love to ride all by myself with, right. with my three friends. You right. Know, and uh, I've been skating for yeah. 30 years and I can... And I, I go back to the private skate parks into the current public skate parks mm. and, and like... You know, even the even the private skate parks, you know, couldn't operate if only three kids could skate there. They have to right. segregate things. Like if someone builds a private indoor skate park, have to find some ways for you have to have capacity. And if you can't build for capacity, mm-hmm. you, you've you've lost from the start. I'm really proud that our local skate park here in Costa Mesa is like fifteen thousand square feet, and some of the bigger parks like Etnies mm-hmm. are, are seventy five thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. And as many kids could ride Costa Mesa at well, any given it's time. It's smaller. Everything is there's kind of uh, pint sized. But 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 they can. I mean, functionally can get rides on yeah. fifteen thousand square feet as can get rides if they were at Etnies, which is seventy five thousand mm-hmm. square feet, because yeah. everything collides with everything else. Mm-hmm. So there's always someone in your way. So, um, so so you know things can definitely be done better. But why no one's doing it? I mean, I. How do you wedge between those people? They don't want you. The skate park builders don't want you there. They just want their contract and their bid. And they think, but it looked beautiful. The fencing looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. Lighting was beautiful. We built a beautiful bathroom area and blah, blah, blah. It's getting all fancy now. But like, yeah, but you didn't respect skateboarding as far as like where it came from, mm-hmm. where it's headed, the proof that it's going to always morph and change. If you mm-hmm. build it all street, that's going to fade out. If you build it all bowls, that may go through a wave mm-hmm. up and down. You need to build a mix of everything. You need to. Um, and you do need to build something for beginners, and you do need to build something for experts. 
uh, and you can't have beginners and experts mixed together in the same thing functionally. Very annoying. We do. Yeah, very annoying. Yeah, That's very why annoying. you have little yeah. kids rolling in front of you. I've gotten hurt as much in the last 30 years avoiding kids at skateboards. Oh, by far. I have falling off my By far, the little yeah. kids are, are the number one obstacle well, at every skate park. And you don't want to hurt them because you're an old guy. Like, I don't no. want to hurt a kid. I have kids. You I don't, don't want to piss off their parents. Like, yeah. You don't want to cuss them out. Yeah. You can't throw so, cigarette butts so out So I wish I could answer that question or what the easy solution was. I like the fact that people like Lance Mountain are... Uh, regarded high enough to yeah. be listened to. You yeah. know, I speak up my mouth. They won't listen to me. They'll listen to Lance more than me because Lance has a lot more credibility. Okay. You know? um, and I'm too vocal. And they're like, oh, fuck you. We don't want to hear from you. Um, but I mean, that was kind like, of the whole mission of I Ask was to protect all these things that we're talking about. I, it's, it's, that was like it's, the it's, 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 the, it's the mission by its nature. It's not the mission by how it functions. Okay. Because the uh, you know being inside on the insider board of I ask it was you know there's there's a lot of ego there's a lot of uh, you know self serving thing you know it's like my thing is when I sat in there on I ask board mm-hmm. I was there for skateboarding yeah. skateboarding not me mm-hmm. I would have to my company would have to adapt to what happened in skateboarding if skateboarding right. was changing and I was always willing to try to help skateboarding more along for what's good for the best of skateboarding and even you know keeping skateboarders involved skating but that wasn't the mission of most the mission was like how do i keep my company strong and solid and cool and so what uh, you're saying is that being part of i ask and doing it right requires some selflessness for sure is that what you're getting at here yeah who's taking notes on the other end of this thing by Um, the way someone should be transcribing uh, (laughs) because i still have the the email list i got years ago for all the i ask dudes and i would send them my essays uh you know i'm sure most of them never listened to one of my podcasts because again, they're oh, not, they're not they're one not... of the three people in four countries. Yeah, are they? no. Shit. Yeah. Who is that yeah. one dude that lives in, in two countries? By the way, I'm still having a hard time figuring. Um, that I, out. I, you know, I've been trying to do locators to figure out whether it's be it's straddling, probably Brooke. Or straddling U.S. and Mexico, it's or whether probably, it's straddling U.S. You know, and Canada. Brooke has could dual be my candidacy. Yeah, yeah, he's two he, countries, and he could have one foot uh, across each line. So yeah, well, you know those Canadians. I'm hoping with you on the show that we might get five listeners in six countries. Doubtful. Doubtful. Really doubtful. You know what they're going to be like? Is it going to be like, who the hell is Bud Stratford anyway? I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'm trying to figure out how to sell you. Who the fuck is this guy? Maybe I'll put a picture of like Rodney Mullen on the cover of the thumbnail and say Bud Stratford, but we'll use Rodney's picture or something like that. And we'll, we'll bait them with bullshit. That well, bullshit usually works. In I know. That's it. Well, there's a skateboarding. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, a, you know, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Right for world industry, so you know it's all about baiting the bullshit. <laughs> so the, now that we've come back from this tangent, kind of conveniently, so I worked for Concrete Wave, and then the Blank Initiative happened, and then I went into consulting oh. for companies, which yeah. was really funny because I remember getting the call from Jeff Harbaugh, the big. Dude worked for Transworld Business. I'm sure yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. He actually called me in my home in Indianapolis. He was like, I heard you getting in consulting. And I said, yeah, I thought it would be kind of fun to do some consulting for these guys that just failed on the blank initiative, right? Now they're all on their faces smoldering. I thought it would be nice to help out a little bit and make a few bucks. He's like, you'll never make it. Like, you're never going to. And I have a stack of checks literally on my desk. I'm flipping through them as I'm on the phone with them. I'm like, wow, geez, Jeff, that's a bummer. Like, I'm so not happy right now. I can't believe you. You're right. I'm not going to make it. I'm literally counting checks while I'm doing this. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, that didn't work out for you, Jeff Harbaugh. Well, the Blank Initiative, <laughs> when that was taking place, I was basically looking at the guys saying, you know, because, you know, again, my whole thing is like, what we did is we overdid it. Um, the reason pro models sold in my era was not only because there was less of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also because they meant more. They had the shapes. Um, they had shapes because so so a Steve Cowler model and a Tony Hawk model were unique. Mm-hmm. Um, there was less guys. Less guys. And uh, so people identified with them. So mm-hmm. the one thing that hasn't changed in skateboarding is that kids still want to be a pro skateboarder. 
Most kids yeah. stop skateboarding when mm-hmm. they realize they're not going to be a pro. I mean, seriously, so many kids just skateboard with the Pretty fantasy much. of being a pro skateboarder. When yep. they finally they hit the realization, I'll never be pro, they stop skateboarding. Yep. Okay, so that is why pro models, so, so I talk to them, I go, the best hope we have as far as to start bringing consciousness back about pro models mm. is at least for the generations that we have, um, chances are Steve Caballero had like a Steve Olsen model. You oh, know, of course, Jamie, they all did. Jamie Thomas had a Steve Cavallaro. Model, all those guys and did. And so on and so forth. They go, so I was talking about, we need an ad campaign because at least we had the, we we were able to put the pressure on a trans world. So I'm sorry, we need mm. you to run ads for us to help us. We want to do this campaign. We're going to yeah. try to promote like, um, and, and, and everyone in the IS at the time agreed on this. This is a great idea. And then Steve yeah. Douglas came in from sideswiped it all with that blank, but that blank thing. The truth, yes. it was a sideswipe. It really was. But, but my thing was like, we're going to have Steve Caballero in an ad with Steve Olson. And he's going to say like, you know, my first pro model was a Steve Olson model because I loved his style. That would be cool. Jamie Thomas is going to be like, my first pro model was a Steve Cavallero because I loved his front side inverts or whatever it was. And like, we're going to build the bond that a kid coming up realized like, I want to pick what pro model I want because I want to be like that. Because that's mm-hmm. still how they're thinking. Oh, totally. they're no longer being guided that way in sales because mm-hmm. they walk into a shop and first thing, they'd be hard pressed to even find their favorite pros board in the wall because there's mm-hmm. so many of them. That's an issue. But the bottom line is, I'm saying we can't change that. All no. we can do is we can start helping the consciousness be built back that like every pro that has become anything mostly took the path by following the other pros and buying their pro boards. So at least you're mm-hmm. showing the kids pick a path pick a pro you like, their style, and support that. And that makes logical sense. Mm. you know. And everyone's like, yeah, that does make sense. I was just picturing this campaign. Let's start picking who they are. And um, I go, it may only increase 10% towards more pro models and, Still, and chip, away, chip a little bit more away about the blanks and so on and so forth. Well, you're and, you talking know, at an uh, emotional and the, argument. And though. the blank thing was like, you know, come on, guys, blanks. Like, you know, blank boards like that. Once you took shapes away and you made everything a popsicle stick, you made a skateboard a simple commodity. Yeah, yeah. A blank is the same as theirs, and they're selling their board for sixty bucks, and you're buying the shop board. Which at the time, now now I'm making skateboards. I'm yeah. making three thousand boards a month for a few chains of skateboards, mm. and they're selling these boards for thirty five dollars retail. Yeah, and then with Flip grip. is selling his boards for thirty five dollars wholesale, mm-hmm. and they're made in China, mm-hmm. and they suck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like. You know, the kids figure that out when oh, they go the buy know. one identity board shop board. And they go, man, that board lasted forever. Oh. Made in America, blah, yep. blah, blah. And I, this Chinese board is $60 for a pro model. That there's seven of them that are all identical. Yep. What do I get by buying? There was no reason to follow that pro. So all I was trying to go is let's go backwards. At least get the kid a reason to want to follow the pro. Right, because you're really not giving them a reason product-wise. Your your, your yeah. argument there is there, shot. There is no popsicle argument. Popsicle sticks, yeah. all the same, blah blah blah. And like you blew that argument, but uh, we had great intel on this, by the way, at Concrete Wave. People don't know this is backstory shit, but we had like a six month heads up on that damn thing, and I, we had like we knew that this this is reporting in action right here. I wish more media worked like this, like true reporting on things. We had the best fucking intel. Like, we knew how many pages is it going to be. We knew who was going oh, to be in the, it. The, 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 blank the under thing? fire report. Oh, dude, I, I just stepped out and thought, I don't put my name in it. I'm not interviewed in that thing at all. I wouldn't no, say you're not, you're The not interviews in on it were embarrassing. Like, if you don't buy our promo, I won't be able to feed my kid. Dude, when I was a kid, if Tony Alva would have been mad, said, like, buy my board or I won't be able to have gas money, I'd go, fuck off. The thing you know, that's that, not, you know, it's like, if it's like I want to buy your stuff because I want to like just be stoked. If I'm buying a board, and I know it costs a couple extra dollars because it's got Tony's name on. It. it Won't even phase me. But if you sit there blatantly telling me like 
you owe me to buy my board, blah, right. blah, blah. I'd be going like, dude, how about fuck off? You know, I don't skateboard because of you. You know, it's like, so these guys, their argument was so bad on that. The thing that made, like, my work at the magazine happen and my consulting happens is it's almost like, because we had such a big lead time on it. And at first, like, the first sources we had, I thought they were fucking with me. I'm like, I ask would never do something this stupid. Like, they've done some dumb shit, but this is beyond oh, I, fucking I just dumb. stepped back and said, oh, yeah, okay. this is beyond stupid. Fucking moron. This is like marketing suicide. It was. And, the, and like the dwindle ad where like if you buy a blank, like it's like you drink your own pee and you skate worse than a girl. That thing was like patently offensive. Oh, like Tony Hawk's board disappeared out from under his feet on the website. Like yeah. boards wouldn't even exist anymore. The world it's like, would, oh my God, it was so the, pathetic. The world would implode. But I started to write the essays about this. Like months before it came out, like and Blair Watson, thank God for Blair Watson Scumbones, because I was like, Michael Burke didn't want to touch this thing. I'm like, Mike, this is like the story of the decade. But you know what's a sad it's thing? It's not going to better. It, but most people probably listening to our podcast don't even realize. They don't even know what it is. Oh, just Google they Under Fire Report. It's yeah, out there. Under Fire it's Report. Under it, Fire it like, Report. It was, it was one of the skateboard industry thought they were going to kill blanks, they, and they embarrassed the fuck out of themselves. They made the veiling attempt, begging people like to. Please buy our boards for no. Yeah. Re- they didn't give you any good reasons. They we're going to go. We're going to go broke like, if you don't. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the, someone made a website. Uh, I think Birdhouse made a website called A World Without, a world without Pros. A World, no, world Without, without pros. pros. And it and was then, like this pathetic thing. Like pros are going to disappear yep. if you don't buy our boards. They literally have disappearing then a guy, Neil, pros. Neil Boyd, on, right? Was his name Neil, Neil Boyd? Boyd yeah. He became, I became friends with the guy because I, I reached out to him. Like, dude, you are my hero. Yeah. He made a, a, a website called A World Without CEOs, which probably is archived somewhere. Someone could see. Um, I would love to share it, that. It's with actually people. down, like, but yeah, like, see, Boyd um, was so I started to write. And these he made essays. fun of of the skateboard industry guys making money. Oh, yeah. and, and and mocking oh, yeah. customers. Yeah, so he it, had it was the, brilliant. They yeah. were wearing like you know Chinese flags and shit. Oh, it was hilarious. So I start to write these essays, and Michael Burke's not going to touch this story. And I was trying to talk him into like Mike, this is the story, literally of the decade, maybe two or three decades. Like we have to run with this story. We've got the sources, we've got the intel, we've got the heads up. We need to run with this. And he's like, no, we're long boards and old school shit. It's not our problem. Let them deal with it. So I went to Blair. I'm like, and it's Skull and Bones at the time was pretty heavy. Like all the industry dudes watch Skull and Bones all the time just to see who's trading what. Yeah, a bunch of nerd skateboarders, right? So I was like, Blair, can I publish my essays on Skull and Bones? And thank God for Blair. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Go ahead, do, it, do what you want. Free world. I was like, great. So I started to publish those essays at Skull and Bones. And then somebody got me the email list for I ask like all the principals. So the next essay, I just sent it directly to them. And they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Probably like a lot of you listeners are saying right now, like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, no, I knew who you were. So we, and I, and well, because you had my letter. I knew, I knew uh, the Skaters Republic Skate Park started up or like that. I paid attention to real skateboard stuff. You were a little more aware. Uh, but I didn't read Skull and Bone shit because I didn't need it. Someone no. would bring something to my attention if I needed to see it. Right. I don't have time to go freaking snoop. And nor does most of the skateboard industry. That's why they didn't see a lot of it. They 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 might have their team guy or some random guy in the company mm-hmm. show them stuff that pops out. But, you know... I don't think too many of those guys were in there really scouring this stuff. So, so then, I think I published. A, I didn't publish it the last essay. I went to ASR with Michael Brook and literally went up to Bernard's and asked for a copy of it. He had no idea who I was. Probably didn't realize I'm the guy talking shit on this whole thing. I had a buddy at home. And John's an amazing guy, by the way. I don't remember Bernard. him too fondly. Yeah. I don't no, remember he's, him a, too he's fondly a really now. good guy, but he's not from our industry. You know, he would come to me all the yeah, time and was... ask me, "Would you please explain to me why this guy doesn't on the board doesn't like this guy and yeah. whatever like that?" Because he, he was trying to just run it. He was Mister Outsourcing, like a, um, from what I've heard at least. He was an outsource expert. So anyway, yeah, Bernard hands me a copy of it and everything. So when when Neil 
Boyd came along and he makes a spoof, which was way... You know, I wrote think pieces. No one read the fucking things. But then Boyd comes along and he caught one of my essays. And so he's like, hey, I want to publish your essay on my site. I'm like, well, that's great, Neil. I'm like, thank you, but there's six of them. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I've been writing these for like six fucking months, dude. Like, <laughs> put out one every month. And so I sent them all to him and he published them right on the back page of the spoof site. And I think that's where they got read. And then people were like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's been doing this. He knew about it like six months ago. This fucking fat Jewish kid from New Hampshire. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and it just, you know, people. So Neil Boyd, to me, will go down as, a, as an icon in skateboarding. Oh, he, he, a legend he's he's working who, class hero. I love that because, like, yeah. here's a dude. I'm looking at the industry guys going, you guys are so moronic. That yeah. you think that you're above everything. This dude from Louisiana. This dude in the middle of Louisiana. Yeah. Called you on your shit so straight out and won and like and and won because his argument was logical and yours yeah. yours was stupid and you spent twenty thousand dollars publishing it trying to rub it in people's faces and months writing it and interviewing everybody and laying it out like its own magazine. It's like yeah. it's it's truly one of the most embarrassing things ever. And Void just comes along and just takes it down. So beautiful. Three bullets dead in the head. It's amazing. But that's what happens. You can't go to your market and say, I'm going to make you feel bad for buying the wrong kind of skateboard. Yeah. Like, just let that... That's... Well, it kind of worked. It worked for indie, right? They built their whole brand. I'm going to make you feel bad for not buying the right brand or the cool brand. But, you know, uh, so, so shit talking has worked, but it didn't work as a whole industry. The whole industry, I mean, it worked yeah. brand to brand. Indie but, didn't uh, say if you don't ride indies, you literally drink your sister's pee or something like that. They kind of did in certain ways. I mean, if we looked at now, remember, I'm a lifetime indie find guy. Much we're, worse we're, than that. We're about to get. We're about to get real here, people. Oh, I don't care. No, I'm Jim's saying tracker, there, dude. And no, I, no, but I'm not. I, and honestly, I, I, I ride Ace trucks now. Whatever I like, you know. Because and I ride trackers you know, actually good. now. <laughs> and, and I stopped riding trackers when Brad Dorfman took over. So Brad Dorfman owns them now. Well, so. we, we can't so ride I, trackers yeah. because Dorfman hasn't made any fucking trackers oh, well, so now. I, so we I, can't ride them. Don't ride them anymore on principle. I I don't ride them because I can't get them. I mean, Dorfman, send me some fucking two nineteens, dude, or Cat, or whoever's running the show over there now. Okay, can I jump in and just do a divergence? Why do you need two night two fifteens? You mean two nineteens? For big wide boards. Well, if you're going to ride a twelve inch board, you need a two nineteen. Why are you riding twelve inch boards? This is a bait and hook, and you are not. Oh, you're trying to you're trying to plug our brand to people and say why they should buy it. Jim Gray, what the hell? Who the hell are you? Why the hell aren't you riding a Zeppelin? Is what we're going after here, isn't it? My name's Bud Stratford, but you didn't go anywhere with it, and then you said, well. I'm Honey, it's Jim and his tangents. I, I can't battle this. I can't battle it. <laughs> I can't battle the tangents. And so, well, now I'm like, I have to step in. Okay, because so, we're here for so they're making Zeppelin. a brand that makes wide skateboards in which that, you might need 219. You might need trucks. some 219s. So, and the reason and, uh, is. Laura's bringing that to light right now. Yeah, because she's, she, my podcast is usually about discussing skateboarding, but they would like to go brand direction now. So, well, well, yeah. But it's not even a brand direction because you guys are keep talking about it through all of your discussion and talking about the skate parks and we need a space for new kid skaters and, mm. and new and different styles and, stuff and like different that. different styles and so you know that's part of the niche and it's part of the growing expanding we want your listeners to go from three to you know six listeners right and those extra three listeners seven. you have some low, well, you have some you low know, expectations Jim <laughs> She's you realist. gotta start somewhere you gotta start you yeah. gotta start somewhere that six it's, will go to it, it's seven, an uphill climb seven will go to ten and, okay so the know. question is why are we writing two nineteens? so but and we just established no I think let's quickly. get back to this alright so mm. What she's basically saying is you guys are starting a new skateboard company yes. that's trying to address 
different markets and acknowledge that there Adults. are different markets. Adults. There, there are people who don't want to ride just popsicle stick boards. Oh, of course. Uh, you're, you're, why would you need two 19s? Because you're riding a 12-inch You're board, riding an 11 half 12-inch board, yeah. Um, and uh, Gotta have and trucks to fit you in. guys started Zeppelin Aeroworks yeah. uh, because you want to provide product that's more unique. We happen to make those big boards. Specific markets. Yeah. And, and I do acknowledge that. And that's why I'm a team rider. Actually, I'm a team rider because Bud asked me and I'm like, I pretty much go with And, and he didn't yeah. say no. And um, I still don't know why. Awesome. But yeah, for thanks for not saying no, Jim. I know. But I think I forgot to send the wire transfer instructions because I told him <sighs> upfront fees a million dollars and they you know, didn't blink an eye. Well, we bought lunch though. You, you they did buy lunch. All right. Yeah. So. You said it, but I think yeah. your numbers were because you sent the million dollars. Oh, you did. Me. Maybe yeah. I missed. Oh, maybe it was yeah. a million pesos. No, remember you I was your consultant. Twelve ninety-five. Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember I was your consultant for one pizza. And what you're saying is you need one more pizza. No, yeah. I'm saying is that lunch we're square now. We're square. Like you're okay, you're Zeppelin team for life now, Jim. All right, all right, cool. Yeah. Good to know. See how simple negotiation can be. But no, I, there was not any brand out there for people over forty. I mean, so the, so reissues, right? Yeah. All these skateboards, they're all made for fifteen year olds to eighteen year olds. Like even back in the day. Well, because here's the reality. Reissue, yeah. I rode those boards as a pro skateboarder. Right. I can't, you're looking at one of my reissues right there. Yeah, exactly. I can't ride that. Too small. It's too small. Yeah. Yeah, I can't ride it. I've, I've ridden it a couple grinds. I'm really there, but I can't ride it. And yeah, most most people can't ride Anyone our age, yeah. anyone over 40 yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah you, you, you just outgrow the 15-year-old deck. And all those decks, the Corey O'Briens, the Tony Hawks, all those reissues everywhere, Lance Mountains, everything, they were all designed for 15, 18-year-olds. And now and, we're and in our 50s. And, and honestly, they're collectible for the graphics. Oh, I mean, yeah, you'll like, hang them on like, the wall. The graphics are very iconic. But you and, can't ride the fucking things as a, as a middle-aged person. No way. And so Laura and I, we did extensive engineering and research. What we basically did is we, is we took the standard pigs and we scaled them up by about 12%. Length and width. Why not 11 and a half? Well, some of them are eleven and a half, actually. No, they come in different percent, things. not twelve percent. Yeah, no, sure. yeah, no. Some are eleven and a half percent. Complex. I know. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm. Yeah. yeah. So I, we scaled up I those calculus. Sorry. We <laughs> scaled up those pigs to fit adult size frames and proportions, and that's what we're all about. Skateboards for anyone over forty. If you're over forty and you're skating, and you're riding one of these reissues, you're on some probably on something too small. That's not very comfortable. And even our kind of caves and stuff. You know, we put a lot of a lot of time into working with Craig on those kind of caves, having that front belly. Are we talking about Craig Harvick again? Craig Harvick. You know, he deserves two plugs. Craig Harvick, I love you. We'll probably give him a third down the line. I love your cat. I love your brother, Dave. I mean, like we're family. Craig's cool. Definitely family. But we worked with Craig. No, no, come on. I just felt like no, she wants him to become our friend more. So Steve Olson. Oh man, yeah, you can't ride for us. We want you to be our friend so much. We're gonna tell you to fuck off. Don't want you riding one of our boards ever. But um, yeah, we scaled the boards up to fit adult proportions, and we've had them on tour for the last year and a half. We had prototypes made and took them out, did extensive market research, put people on the boards, let them ride them around, and they're like, "Oh my god, these boards are so great." What'd you do? (laughs) We just made them bigger. That's it. You know, like, you know, the Dogtown, the the Bigfoot reissue. It's wide. It's wide as hell. Still, like, short. It's only, like, 30, what, 30 and a half inches or something? 31? It's somewhere. a reissue of an original. It's right? a reissue of an that. original. You know, you can't... I mean, it's great width-wise. It has a great concave. Too fucking short. Squirrely as hell. You know, you get on something with, with an 18 or 19-inch wheelbase, now you're cruising. Now you can haul in that ball, which is why we, we prefer the tracker system now is because you don't get the squirreliness. It's a lot more stable. And I appreciate the stability of my old age when you're in Arizona and your skinny ditches are like 12, 14 feet deep. 
and you're hauling oh, ass through those things. I have I have the two nineteen trackers on a couple boards. Yeah, they work great. They're great. They're awesome. I have them on my bulldog uh, beam board, and they um, give you so much confidence at high speeds. You feel like you can just dominate the world on those things. Indies, those things squirrel all over the fucking place. But they're you know. cool, dude. Come on. They're cool. Well, they are. You know, they're I still cool. ride two fifteens. I still ride You can get an indie tat on your balls, and it's awesome. You know, nothing better than indie ball tat. I, I, I got to say it, though. Since they changed that fucking logo, and they and they caved in to you know, the goddamn... About, like, I, I have barely paid I've heard about it. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's... it's What's your stance on it, then? Um, I, I don't even... They have to do what they have to do, and, and they're going to have to deal with the repercussions. They didn't have to do anything. They had a great logo. No, okay, okay. No, they had the they're logo. Going, they're going to do... What they choose to do yeah. or, or cave into, and yeah. they're going to pay whatever price that is, which may be a lot or maybe nothing. And that was just a choice they had to make. So I can't fault them on that. They didn't you have know, to make like, that uh, choice. No, What's right. offensive T- about the Indy logo? It's done, round. They've done shit that didn't fucking respect anybody. So why the fuck they would try to respect anybody now, I have no idea. You yeah. know? Oh, but I know yeah. d- different times last few years they've been for sale. They've been looking for uh, buyers. You know, really? Been, they had been. I don't know if deals fell through. And Independent? Stuff like that, so. Uh, no, the whole whole company. The oh, company, NHS. You know. uh, yeah, you know, it's like and uh, cause but sometimes that stuff out? slips out. You know, yeah. Um, is Novak getting ready uh, to, to, to retire? I don't know. I don't know the you know, details. I just knew that there was people oh, really? looking to acquire. All, I didn't all know team writers had to sign new contracts. There was all this, you know, controversy yeah. over you know them looking at contracts going out that might have like excluded them from getting paid on stuff. Whatever. Huh. Some so there was a big uprising. And one of my dream uh, jobs was I've always wanted to be independent team manager for like one day. So, yeah. Wilson, if you you're listening, if you want to take a day off, dude, you let me know. You know, we have all those crazy things like NFTs and all that stuff. Like, you don't actually yeah. get anything, but you're going to buy it, you know, yeah. and so on and so forth. You don't own anything. Like, I mean, why not? They're so cool. Like, how many people would not want to be independent team manager for a day? Um, I think they, they should just, They should have, a, like, a, a, you know, a, a bidding war, and they should sell, like, 10 days a year. They could buy, you know, $5,000 a day. They could make an extra, you know, little chunk of change yeah. every year. You know, and have your job really be nothing. Like, we're going to let you, like... Drive the packages that go to the team guys to the post office. I just want to go to the warehouse. Team writer for the team manager of the day. I just want to go to the warehouse and just look at boxes of trucks and be like, look at all these trucks. No, it's fascinating. You see all the made in China labels all over them. It's like great. It's uh... I I got free indies one time in my life. I got free indies. I got two sets. Yeah. You want to hear the story? Tell me the story. (laughs) This is a great story. I love this story. It's the best story ever. So when I started working for Conquer Wave, and I went to my first ASR with Michael. This one they're still down in San Diego. Michael's like, hey, like, who do you want to meet? Like, the world is yours. If anyone you want. I was like, I want to meet Fausto Patello. Because I was an indie dude. Like, literally from, like, day one to, well, when I started writing Drucker's a couple years corn, ago. Built to baby. Built to Dude, I was, corn. well, because in that day, though, you know, there was a whole social thing, though. I mean, like, my, so I started skateboarding, and I go into the peer group, and I'm like, what do I get for trucks? Because I had those Veriflex shitty trucks. I'm like, what do I get? You know, you're you're buying independence, and it wasn't even like you should buy independence. You are buying independence, and I'm like, okay, well, what other options do I have? And they looked at me like, what do you mean other options? Like you're going to the skate shop and you're buying independence. That's how core it was in my hood. They're just like no other truck existed. No, I know. So all those that's years, it is now today. They're like kind of every truck sold. Yeah, it's a little like, more open now. It's not as hardcore uh, as it used to be. But anyway, so I, I want to meet Foster Vitello, and Michael's like crushed because he thought I'd want me Ty Page or Bob Bruce Logan or something that someone he got along with apparently he Fausto didn't think much of Michael Brooke or whatever well, of course he was his competitor and he actually well plus the whole Canadian he, thing and, you he, know. and he did yeah, like Canada. he did 
skateboarding as he saw it. Longboards. You're, you're not yeah. allowed to do anything outside of the yeah, way yeah, exactly. Michael is not, just, not, not, it's not how they see it; it's how they manipulate. It, yeah. Let's face it. And, and they, so, okay. Yeah. So I want to meet Foster. So Michael's crushed. And he said, "Okay, fine." So like the second day of the show, he's like, "Hey, we have some time here. You can go find Foster." Okay, great. I'm all excited. Now, keep in mind, I had never seen like modern photos of Foster. Only like photos from an independent book, like from the '70s. Yeah. So I'm thinking, long-haired, greasy dude with the big beard and everything, right? I'm at SR looking for a long-haired, greasy dude with big beard because that's what the picture was like in the independent. So I go to NHS and I run into like Jeff Kendall and Keith Wilson. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking for Foster, and they're looking at me like, who the fuck is this dork? Yeah. Like, obviously, fat kid from New Hampshire, right? We're not. He's at the street corner distribution booth. Go look for him there. So yeah, I go to the street corner. Is he there? No, he just left for the Thrasher booth. So I go to the Thrasher booth. Is he here? No, he's in NHS now. I'm chasing around this ghost for like an hour, hour and a half. So I finally get to a place in the show where there's like a T in the aisle. And there's this little old man sitting in a director chair on the corner of the aisle. So I say, Hey, mister, do you know, do you know Foster would tell by any chance? Do you know who he is? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, accent. Yeah, I am vaguely familiar with this man. Okay, do you know where he is? I've been looking for him. And so the guy goes, hold on. He starts looking around. And of course, me, I'm a cheesehead. I'm looking around too. And I look at the little old man, and he's looking at me beaming. And I look at him, I kind of squint, and I saw the ghost of the long-haired, greasy guy. It was him. And he's sitting, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a fucking idiot. It's him. Oh. I'm sure he was honored. I'd be honored if someone came up and said, have you seen Jim Gray? Like, he means something. Yeah. Nobody comes up and says, have he, you seen Jim Gray? They're he, like, you know, I mean, Jim Gray's here. Tell him to get the fuck out of the building. We don't want him here anymore. This guy immediately, like, he literally, I don't, he snapped his fingers or something. And another director here just shows up. <laughs> and he's like, have a seat, young man. And I'm like, okay. And Let's like, break bread. I'll decide if you can live or not. And so he's like, and so he's like, why are you hunting me down so feverishly? I can't do the accent as well as Foster did because it's his accent. But so yeah, he sits I, me down. I don't really remember thinking, think of it as an accent, but okay. It's kind of Armenian or something. Yeah. But at any Fuck rate, off. so I sit down there and, and he, he uh, just people coming, like worshiping. Like oh, he's a don, sure. like yeah. the kissing his hand. For sure, on. oh for sure. And all these people are like, Mr. Vitello. And blah blah, Mr. Vitello, Mr. Vitello. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god, it's the dude. So he says to he's like, Well, why are you looking for me? And I'm like, Oh, I just want to say thanks for all the years of you know, I've ridden your trucks my whole life. I just want to say thanks. I want to meet the guy that made the brand what it was. And the ironic thing is he doesn't even own the brand. Well, yeah, well, so, yeah, exactly, yeah. And so, oh, and I want to talk to him about putting the 101 back in production. That was the other thing. Because Concrete Wave, you know, slalom yeah. and his freestyles happening. I'm like, you need to put the 101 back into production. And he's like, well, why do I need to do that? And so I'm explaining it all to him. Slalom, the whole kit. And he's like, okay. And he's like, well, is there anything I can do for you? And I was like, as a matter of fact, there is, Fosto, um... I'm, I'm going to be doing a product reviews at the magazine. And, you know, Buddy Carr works there from Tracker. And I can get free trackers all day long. But I need to take photos of these boards. And I, I want to put indies on them because that's what I write. I want to... And he's like, so you wait a minute now. You're telling me that you can get trackers all day long anytime you want. And you want to use indies on your the little project magazine thing. And I'm like, yeah. You know, you go down and you go to NHS booth. And you talk to Keith Wilson. You tell him to get you whatever you need. 
And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work at all. Because I, I was just... You already went there and they already believed. And they're all like, fuck this guy. But you came back and said, Fausto sent me. Yeah, so I went back to NHS and I'm like, I'm looking for Keith Wilson. And he's there and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, well, Fausto told me to come and ask for a pair of 169s and a pair of 215s. And it was almost like, get this man some trucks. Get them now. <laughs> and I was like... And I was like, oh my God, Free India. It's like, I've died and gone to heaven. That's I actually had him engraved when I got home, like from Fausto, on the base plates. And then he died, like literally, like a couple months later. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. He was he was probably about the same age I am, I'm 59. I think he was 58 or 59. Yeah, it just it was like, fell dead on his bicycle. And yeah. I was actually at my ex-girlfriend's house, and I got the call from Michael Brook. And he was like, I just want to make sure that. How many ex-girlfriends does he have? Oh, oh God. Countless. Jesus Christ. Okay. I was and just curious. Oh, and Jesus. You that he said he met Fausto and he was a little old man. How does that make you feel? I know, really. And he, he, he like, yeah, am I a little old man? But you're... I said in this corner, but nobody comes out. <clears throat> Who is this Jim Gray? Who is this magician <laughs> called Jim Gray? This yeah. magical man. They're like, oh, yeah, free trucks. Jim Gray's walking around. Clear the aisles. Get out of the way. Yeah. No. Well, you're aging better, though, I think. I still skate. Those guys never skated. That's Dang. the other thing too. That's the, what I can talk about what you were in the industry. Like I never stopped skateboarding. Yeah, you know most of my neither parts, even the pros that became in the industry guys, the whatever they all stopped skateboarding twenty five years ago. People and, try to get me to quit. You know. Like my parents, they're like even now my dad's well, like we should I don't do this do it particularly seriously. I do it for fun. I, I ride skateboards because rolling on a skateboard is fun. And but but that, really that's why everyone should stop. Do it. I mean, yeah. like yeah, that that should be the baseline universal though. Everyone should be doing it for that reason. Well, I agree, but unfortunately, the whole marketing arm of it all turned into doing it to be cool. You know, like tricks you did were to be cool. This, were to, I mean, everything became about what well, you did. Well, now, Jim, though, let's be okay. No, we need to. We can't bullshit the listeners. Okay, you actually are what? cool, though. Oh no, I'm not. We're all no, cool. Talking, yeah. No, come on. Okay, so we're not cool, right? Like we're all geeks and everything. <laughs> but when I go to like work, right? Like my previous job, I would go to work and I'd have my skateboard. A fat little fucking old guy, right? And my coworkers would be like, "That guy's so fucking cool. Look, he's got a skateboard." Like, there, come on. Well, yeah, there's some cashier. As, I as uncool whatever. as we are, if you have a skateboard under your arm or under your feet, put it this way: I don't feel uncool. I just don't feel cool. I don't well, feel like oh, look at cool. that amazing dude. I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm I'm happy with my life. I feel like I'm We're skateboarders, I'm, I'm okay dude. in my skin. Okay, like you're also like, what's better well, than being bleeding a, a lot? My skin bleeds a lot, but I'm you know I'm happy in my skin. Yeah, seriously though, what's better than being a skateboarder? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. What? See, that's what I makes never it so tried cool. to be anybody else. So I, I don't, you know. I mean, the, the, then that's a thing that the world doesn't know. Like the world's saying, oh, skateboarding, whatever. You don't know how fucking cool it is until well, you do well, it. That's, honestly, that is the greatest thing about skateboarding. And and again, speaking about ex girlfriends, now I'm going to throw ex girlfriends. Just I've, I've met some, uh, you know, women that I've dated, whatever, and who are a little surprised. I and mean, one, one, you know, they're like. You know, skaters are a little rough around the edges, and like, yeah, you know, I mean, some are. I'm not, but I mean, because there's stereotypes that get thrown out there. But the reality is, skateboarding is such a large, uh, a number of people. Mm-hmm. Everybody skateboards. I know doctors and skateboards, real estate agents and skateboards, architects and skateboard, scumbag dirtbags that'll never have a job in their life skateboard. But not like, everyone I, skateboards know. though. Um, there's still not, converts no, no, out there but, to be but had. Still, it's only. I mean, maybe it's maybe half of the male population have at least stood on a skateboard in mm-hmm. their life. Okay, yeah, um, half of those may have actually done it a little bit as part of their repertoire of their life somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, so that adds up to a huge portion of the population. Right. So it covers an insane spectrum of rich and poor, mm-hmm. every color, every you know, male, female. It doesn't matter. There's so many people that ride skateboards, but people who don't get into the cultural aspect of it or get right. into actually considering themselves a skateboard. There's one thing about riding a skateboard. 
Okay, right. kid who gets a penny board and rides it to, to junior high right. is still a skateboarder. Right. He's not. He's not culturally a skateboarder. He's just a skateboarder who I've rides never a skateboard. Put, just saying, I've never put a fucking penny of faith in that whole fucking culture argument bullshit. Well, if you're riding a skateboard, you're a skateboarder. Well, period. no, no I, I always say that. Anyone who rides yeah. is a skateboarder. But as far as um, understanding and getting the feeling, the kid who rides a skateboard just and puts it in his locker, he understands the feeling of rolling on a skateboard. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, of but, course. But what we realize is being, when you go into the deeper in the culture aspect, how cool skateboarders are to skateboarders in general. In general, right. they, they're supportive. They're like some kids at the skate park can barely ride a skateboard. Sure. And he just barely plus rides his skateboard. And everyone's like, yeah, smacking their tail. Yeah. It's supportive. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's uplifting because it's not a team sport where you drop the ball. I hate you. You lost for the game for us. Everyone's rooting like, for you. What does it matter whether you're yep. good or not? You just took a run. Looked like you were having fun. I'm stoked. I just watched someone having fun. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways that skateboarders bond with each other over skateboarding right. you run into someone on the street and they realize you're a skateboarder recognize you we have i said you see the skateboard cool i mean you suddenly have someone who likes you more than you typically might run into someone at home depot and go yeah don't you live in the neighborhood right. they like you differently yeah because you're on a skateboard you see the guy in the neighborhood yeah i've seen you on the corner nice to see you right and that's it but it's like hey i saw you at the skate park it's like yeah the, the best, just, we, we absorb that differently yeah. that's the one good thing about our culture and you correct me if i'm wrong because you'll probably know better than i do but if you're a kid that's never skateboarded or whatever and you're walking into the skate park for the first time or anywhere, anywhere where there's skateboarding going on, you're going to be encouraged. For sure. Pretty much. Like, at least if the other skateboarders there are worth their shit and worth their salt, they're going to encourage you. My, my I think proud, other girls are finding that out. For sure. My proudest yeah, moment in... Yeah, yeah, the girls are finding that my out. My proudest moment in skateboarding probably in the last five years is was at the skate park one day and saw mm. a very large kid yeah. like 12 years old scared to death and you're like, trying to learn to drop it and me and jinx went over there and took 20 minutes of our time to hold his hand and and, and work with his kid till he dropped in and now i ride go to that skate park that kid can drop in everywhere he goes how you doing how you doing how you doing good to see you you remember me like you know it's like do i change that kid's life did he know that like, the guy uh, holding his hand's name was jinx no though? don't think Dude, he, I, you don't want to tell him that that's a put off <laughs> Hey, okay, here's my friend Jinx, no. and he's going to help you not die today. And he he'd be like, you know, I don't, I'll I don't take think my chances. He with knew death. or cared that he had two old pro skateboarders doing it. No, no, he's pretty stoked. He, he, no, if he maybe if he figured that over time, or maybe it meant something to him, but that didn't have anything to do with why we did it. He didn't and care. A million other guys would have done it who weren't Everyone pro skateboarders. Were that we're yep. just like this kid's scared. Yep. We know we can help him get past this, and we know that once he does this, it's going to open up his world. We, we've he's done that, like, and now that kid's just he's there. He's yeah. confident. He does it, and he's happy. He he got past the, this. I mean, he was shivering, dude. We're holding yeah. this kid shivering. Yeah. You know, it's like and assuring him Scared we're not going to let death. you fall. You're going to hold his hands. I'll grab your waist. We're going to like you know going to do that ten times till we finally let you do it on your own. And when he did it on his own, it's like oh my god, oh my god, like the shiver so is happy. gone. Like yeah. you know, yep. um. So yeah, that is something that you cannot, uh, you don't find too many places. You know, and so skateboarding, it's it's a very rare thing. And uh, I mean, I had a guy come up today. I was doing this thing, like I said, the charity thing. Uh, Diaper drive, or just in a parking lot, some guy, UPS guy, comes up. Says, oh, "I used to ride the Big O skate park when I was a kid. I grew up there myself. I know the Hirsch, but I'm good friends with the Hirsch." You know, it's like you're bonding from 40 years ago. Oh yeah, because you totally. know, not too many dudes. If they if, if they were high school baseball players, the only people they relate to high school baseball players were the guys that were on their team. Yeah, the people went to their high school. Yeah. You know, not they don't just randomly strike up conversations with people about 40 years ago. Yeah, playing baseball, skateboarders. You know. Yeah, yeah. With those experiences they're Absolutely. lifelong they're embedded so there, there's something definitely different about the whole thing that you absorb by being a skateboarder and uh, and again they went back to saying an ex-girlfriend said like a little rough around the edge and then you realize like, wow 
skateboarders are a whole different world than I thought they are. There's like, I, I see all this support. I see all this camaraderie. I see you walk out in public and people are like waving they're, at they're you across just cooler the way because people. they're like, they're stoked because they met you skateboarding. And it's like, they're uh, just cooler people. Like um, skateboarders yeah. are different from everyone skateboarders else. Are, there's all dicks in skateboarding too. There's a lot of asshole skateboarders. There is because we, there's a lot of everything. I, I told you we don't need to bring it's up like, the Dorfman. Uh, I know. Oh, we don't need to talk about that <laughs> until he makes <laughs> some fucking 219s. He's persona I, non grata around not here. Even okay. Touching that. Brad, make um, some fucking two nineteens. Jesus no, Christ! No, I just say it's, you know, because at least again, give me some one eighty fours for fuck's sakes. I mean, make something. Man, get it going. He's cussing on my podcast. This is all going to be bleeped Why out. Why the hell is he cussing on your podcast? I know it's, it's okay. Who the hell am I? That's po- we haven't gotten like, to that yet, have we? Yeah, I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? I don't know. Yeah. We started with that. A fat Jewish kid from, from New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. That's yeah. right, New Hampshire. Who's properly got a, who's got pronounced. A mom. Yeah, New Hampshire. No Oz. No Oz. Say mom again. Mom, 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 mom. So make sure I say it right. When I lived in Wisconsin as a kid, I was constantly in speech therapy because I didn't use my eyes, right? Ah, didn't you eyes? And so I'm in speech therapy for all these years, right? And then my parents get divorced and moved to New Hampshire. And you know what? I'm not in speech therapy. You know why? Because I didn't have a fucking problem in the first place. I didn't have a speech problem. I had inherited my mother's New England accent. Oh. So in Wisconsin, they're like, oh, this kid's a, this kid's a moron. We need to put him in some sort of correctional facility because he doesn't talk right. I go to New Hampshire. Everyone's like, hey, you're welcome home, family. We are in New Hampshire. Well, I grew up in a house with a mother who's from Sweden, and uh, my stepfather was from Ireland. Ireland. So people often thought they were calling the wrong house. You know, hello, and they hang up, call again. Like, oh, no, I guess that's not the maid. That's uh, <laughs> that's her dad. Or Seamus gets me a gets me a Guinness stout before you go skateboarding. As a little you know, kid, so. I understood how useless authority was because these people were so stupid that they didn't recognize a New England accent, and they made my life hell for all through grade school. Like because they, they single you out as like the moron child, you know. And they're like, oh, you need special needs or whatever. No, I have an accent, dumbasses. Get the fuck out of here. Children, <laughs> children are, can, can be cruel to cover up their own insecurities. As can adults. Well, no, this was, this was the teachers. Yeah. This is administrators. Just, this uh, is all the I'm, people in power, right? Tyrants, now, here comes, here comes the people accent. Power. But yeah, but, I mean, these are the people that we look to to be the wise stewards of our... And, and, they, and, they're, and they're, they don't even understand what a New England accent is. You know what? They're worse people for it. Really, they are. Screw Wisconsin. Well, that's you know, you're worse people when you put other people down for no real reason. That's right, like for having an accent. So, so as much as 2022 is mm-hmm. a really wacky time and that everything is overly politically correct and so on and so forth, the fact that at least newer generations are being made aware of issues, hopefully we'll find a middle ground sometime where you're not a hater for not agreeing with everything because I personally don't think everybody has to love everybody else. I just think you don't, you shouldn't hate people and try to hurt other people. No. But you can, like, I don't like that group of people. Cool, that's great. As long as you're not trying to hurt them or kill them, I could care less if you like them or not. But cool now, is a universal now, language. Yeah. Cool you know, like, is a yeah. universal. Just be nice to people, but yeah. if you don't like them, just leave. let them be. Let them live their life. Just, be, be, I mean, I don't cool. like you and we're doing a podcast together. I mean, how is this? Hey, now. You know, it's like, I hate you. I just I don't like you. Oh, you don't like me? Okay. Well, you know, next like time we're taking out to Burger King for lunch. I don't like you as much as you think I do. Or maybe I don't, oh, like, I don't like you as little as I think you do. I don't know. For me to know and you to find out, buddy. See, I, look at, see I, put, I poked his insecurity for a second there. You know I like you. wouldn't be here. If I didn't like you, you wouldn't be here. Well, well okay. I knew you uh, liked me. I mean, I'm like I wouldn't pretend I ride for you if I... Uh, there you go. You know, how's that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah your board's but, coming out on the next run, by the way. Oh, we should again. probably plug it or something. Well, uh, whatever. He didn't say he actually rode. He just said that he pretends that he Oh, pretends. Yeah, so yeah. well... We we're putting a board with my name on it, so I mean, hey, yeah. whatever. It's like, that's for the three people that want to buy one, like, in four countries. Four countries, um, yeah. Yeah, well... Uh, 
You know, no, but I'm I'm honored. I'm proud. I, I like what you've done. What I've you've mm-hmm. shown me so far, the planes, the 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 Irish. Uh, How did the prototypes ride? Uh, <laughs> Have you ridden the uh, prototypes? No, no, because I don't need to. Because I let you. It's your it's your deal. You're doing it. I'm just I'm long. Well, you got to ride one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride one of these ones you just brought. I'm okay. One of these big big beasts. That's okay. Pretty sweet. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's your old GNS shape, just modernized a bit. With some more bitch and graphics on it. With some more bitch and graphics. So he's saying is everything I've ever done really sucks. No, no, no. Actually, I'm only the, kidding. No, the Ron like, Cameron show was actually really good though. Ron, Ron, I love that Ron was Cameron another thing. Works. I wish I could rip off Ron Cameron's art style, but that's there's no way you can't I don't do know, that's it. possible. Ron, yeah, I think Ron's, Ron's one of the most kind of guy. Yeah, I should I should probably have Ron Cameron on the podcast one of these days. Dude, yeah. you we need could argue about Ron. stuff. We could, you know, we could, you know. Yeah. Okay. We have we have lots of fun. Ron's a good dude. I should have Dave Bergthold from Blockhead on the podcast. There's a, here's the thing: this podcast is very organic. You're coming to town. We'll put the podcast on. Put the podcast. I'm supposed to do together. one every week. Do I, I talked to Christian last week? Let's do a podcast. Yeah, let's. That's not a date. Right. That's like, yeah, I've been talking to him for six months oh. or six. When he gets by here and gets stickers every other week for something, I'm like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Oh no, I'm busy. You got somewhere to go. I get that, you know. Um, but I also. I'm not really good at scheduling stuff. I, I, I work on a pretty loose schedule. No, even today you're so, a, little, um, a little loose on the schedule. Well, because things change. I ended up doing that little kind of demo them. thing. So it's like, oh, shit. Oh, they're on the way. Okay. Well, California And I had to go too. by some freaking government office thing. And I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. I better stop by there. It might take an hour. That's what I expected. I was in and out in five minutes. Yeah, I'm like, okay, exactly. I'll be on time. So yeah. I just didn't want to not give you no warning. But no. you wouldn't be the first person who ever showed up here and said, hey, is Jim here? We have a meeting. They're like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh shit, Where's I Jim? forgot about that meeting. I never wrote that meeting down. Or So the smartest thing you do by sending reminders, we'll be in town tomorrow. Oh, yeah. we'll be yeah. like, Here's the good. ETA. Like I said, you would not be the first person who just showed up like, remember, we asked you if we could come by. Like, That's why I'm the world's best like team six manager. six weeks ago. You think I even put a note of that in my phone six weeks ago? No. but you World's know. best team manager right here. Besides yeah. Stacey Peralta, Stacey was by far the best ever team manager. Would you not agree with that sentiment? I mean, based on what his, what, what came out of his team management yes yeah it's like i, I don't know because he wasn't my team manager steve kathy was my team manager was a good dude uh yeah. you know i was you know I have a lot of respect for him yeah stacy well you know we, we can't talk forever because this podcast we've gone like two hours already. have we really we are at, we need um, to shut up now okay re, uh, listeners it's been great we love you bye well i don't know if we need to end that not not that precipitously. I don't know. Hopefully, it recorded. There's actually a couple. I've done a couple. Not only done one podcast mm-hmm. where it didn't record. Oh, no. okay. I had it plugged into like external microphones, and it didn't. Uh, I didn't that's why it I played it back to make sure it was recording it. You know. Um, well, I and, hope uh, I hope the listeners got the most important thing is again. You, you might be the fat Jewish kid from New Hampshire, but writing a letter to someone prominent could get you a long way. You know, I always do little little promotional things for the podcast when I make them. Yeah. I do make try to make a little video with a couple things. I will try to find your letter because I know I posted it on Facebook or something. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. I got to find that. But I've learned if you type in, you know, Jim Gray, Bud Stratford, like, hey, magic things come up. So Our um, newest team writer, Cody, the Jim Jam guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually put out a wanted ad for a new amateur and that's how he got on. He wrote the letter and it was perfect grammar, perfect punctuation, perfect spelling. I read the letter and I turned around I'm like, I think we might have to put this guy on the team just based on on grammar. grammar. On yeah, grammar. I mean, that's pretty awesome. This kid's obviously pretty bright. How does your product ride? Exclamation point! That's how it rides. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Semicolon. Yeah. Fuck the world. So anyway, yeah, it was like out of all the letters and everything we got, this one stood out because it was actually done well. And I was like, I need to talk to this kid. And he got on and learning Jim Jams two weeks later. Damn. Yeah. yeah. 
And he loves skating. That's what's great about it. You're talking at some point today. You know, you go out and you have fun when you skate. It's not quite so serious. Yeah, Cody's yeah. a good kid that's like what that. That's what it's supposed to be all about. I, I get frustrated when I see people who aren't having fun skateboarding. Cody Belgar, yeah. shout out to you and Max Doty, the other amateur. we got to give him a little shout out as yeah. well. And thanks for doing Jim Jams, buddy. I mean, I, I thought I was dead, but at least my tricks will live on. So Yeah, no, absolutely. So. So, uh, well, Bud, I appreciate you coming. And Laura, I appreciate you saying a few words. I know you mostly, you know, let the freaking big loud dude talk. Well, Um, and I let Bud talk too. So I knew you both were going to kind of run the conversation. I just got stabbed back there. That was so good. I told you to watch I, I out for that chat. I, I talk far too much. I warned I you, dude. You um, can't say I didn't so do it. Good. I it warned was you. The most beautiful backhanded stab straight to my face while I looked <laughs> her in the eye. And it comes at the end of the podcast when no one will hear the beauty just, of it. I quit yeah. listening like an hour and a half. She's been like, did quit listening a long time ago. She's been Ninja Warrior over well, two there. Two of the three listeners really hold on all the way. I think that's do they really? One sometimes they are dedicated people. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully we told Here's enough stories. My podcast, as far as I'm concerned, they're just archives of conversations with people that I've been fortunate enough to meet in skateboarding. If all that ever listens is 250 people that like that know you or like you, that's all that matters. If there's there's a few people that probably listen to all of them, but in general, you know, I'm fortunate to have met a lot of rad people that did a lot of really cool stuff within our little world. Yeah. So um, I don't here, expect actually. them all to be the same. Is is you know the same listener to listen to you, the ones who listen to the podcast I did with my mom. Everyone has yeah, a story. I did a podcast with my mom. Everybody has a story. That's great. Every, yes, everybody. The world is so huge yeah. and diverse. These conversations are good. Keep having them. Yeah, yeah, I'll try. Yeah, definitely. As long as people show up and buy me a freaking taco, like you know, it, it would be neat though. Like, you know, I really hope that you know, all the listeners get the takeaway that you can literally, you know, you have to believe in yourself, even <laughs> and write letters to dudes you and know, write write good letters, letters to people, email. and you would not imagine the positive shit that can happen if you do if if you if you play the letter card the right way, like I've done a few times. Yeah. And how about it's just better to be nice than be an asshole? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, right? I, that's yeah. just that. That's probably. I don't have the energy to hate people. Like I don't have the energy to fucking do it. I mean, I, I can heckle them now and then. I can spar back with them or whatever. But yeah, but, I, I don't. At the time, but, I, I there's people that have fucked me over that I should hate and I really should hate. Should probably like. Drag them out to the desert and bury them, but you know, yeah, whatever. Steve Douglas, I got, I got better things. No, not Steve Douglas. Steve no, Douglas. That, that's we, my nemesis. No, but, we've had, but no, me and Steve Douglas had. We've had. We've been down. It's just like I said that 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 thing he produced. We're like that. Oh god, that was the biggest like lame thing. But it went deeper than that. But we got our shit off the table. We 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 sat. The, that's the only guy in skateboarding that I've ever come close to like whacking. Well, Steve know. Douglas. Well, we were at so we we're at the thing. ASR. He's English though. English guys scrap. I don't so give a fuck. I'm from that. New England. I'm from Boston. Like Boston we, we, we kick people like Douglas out of the fucking country. <laughs> okay, that's our pedigree here. Uh, now I'm stuck. Fuck the English. Get Steve Douglas on my podcast yeah. now. No, no. So so <laughs> we're at the ASR where they put out the underfire thing, and Douglas is in the foyer there. Like so, you left the hall, but then there's the glass. Wall that you had to go through. Yeah, I get it before you get out. Yeah. yeah, and so Douglas confronts Brooke in the foyer. He's like, "There's some fucking punk kid on your staff that's talking shit about my initiative. You need to stop it and stop it now." Basically, I see this happening, so I go over to pop him, and Eric Basil from Silverfish stopped yeah. me, yeah. and he's like, "You don't want to do this right now." And I'm like, "Oh, the fuck I do though." <laughs> oh yeah, this is going down. And I was I was making I was trying to fight Basil off, and he was like, "No, he he, he he's." He just put this dumb thing out. His is coming. Like, you don't need to go to jail today for slugging him. He's going to get his real soon. Yeah, I, mean, I And he talked me out of slugging Douglas. Because I yeah, was going. Honestly, Douglas learned from that. I'm going to tell you that. He did learn from that. 
Uh, I, I had conversations with him about different things and so on and so forth. And saw him at Dwindle a few years later and he goes, look, Jim, we're doing all this, doing that. He was basically telling me, look, a lot of the stuff that you were preaching and talking about, we're doing. You know what I mean? Because hmm. I was standing against the grain of skateboarding the whole time and was always talking about, you know, just popsicle boards versus all the shit. And he, and he was proud that he was trying to help within their company change things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I give him credit for that. He accepted that uh, some arguments against maybe some of the thinking wasn't 100%. And he has every right to thinking the way he did as well. But I will say that he did learn and uh, I saw him adapt a little bit. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I took that thing personally because I was the poor kid. Well, I took a lot of stuff personally. I, I, I was the poor kid that had blanks existed when I was growing up because I lived on hand-me-down skateboards for my first five or six skateboards. They were hand-me-downs for my friends that got new shit and then I got the old shit. But if blanks had existed, I might well have bought them to keep skating and I felt like he's coming after all the poor skaters of the world with that fucking thing. Yeah. And making them feel like shit what, for being what poor. What really happening is it was just egos were getting hurt because they aren't buying our fancy stuff anymore. Yeah, they're buying the Because blanks. we, sadly, because we, and I'm saying him, the whole culture yeah. killed the value of it. Uh-huh. And something else came in and gave the value for what they killed. Yep. You know what I mean? So what, what was being sold by the industry was no longer valuable. You're selling mm-hmm. them overpriced boards made in China mm-hmm. that they can now buy for half price, mm-hmm. made in China or made in the U.S., whatever like that. And you're not offering them anything special anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not shapes. They're not champions who won contests. They're kids who filmed a minute of video part, has the identical mm-hmm. board as the next kid all made in the same China factory. You did everything to crush that. It really wasn't about... And again, he didn't do that. The whole culture. He definitely participated in that. He's kind of the ringleader uh, of that, though. Well, no, he's the ringer of that specific Mm. agenda item. But I'm saying that what got them to even having to deal with that Mm. was all of them together. You know, again, like they were all in the brass ring club. I was on that outside level. And they had Mm. some of those meetings with Rock and all that. I showed up in them, but I certainly didn't want me there because I was already there making fun of them from the side saying, you guys are a bunch of idiots. Yeah, You know, I mean, but... I also had earned my way in there from skateboarding, from being, you know, mm. they couldn't say, no, you don't belong here, but they certainly didn't want me there. Yeah, that was exactly. The way that worked. I always knew that. Um, but yeah, he didn't do that so hard. He, he took the reins of the blank thing because they were getting frustrated. Um, I can't, I know, was he working at Dwindle at the time? I can't remember, but they were all frustrated because all their businesses were mm. suffering. And I was trying to do it from the internal IOSC thing. Like I said, mm. ad campaign, logical. We're going to have sure. to rebuild this back slowly. You can't mm. take this collapsed wall with a thousand bricks laying on the ground and just throw the bricks back into place. Yeah. You have to place them back and so on. So I, I just realized it was going to be a slow, methodical process. But and those guys weren't ready for that. They bold China shop, run. We're going to storm the floor. We're going to make you guys print this thing for us. We're going to, you know, and they did. They just like shoved it down everyone throw like we'll pull our ads on the magazine if you don't print this for us we'll you know so it was just a different era i actually i actually told them in one of those essays i'm like you know so you had the fucking magazine thing right and you're flipping through it and you see like jamie thomas is holding a skateboard and he's talking about how much blanks suck and they see you know bod boyle who's one of my i loved bod when i was a kid i thought it was the greatest thing ever bod boyle's a good man no he's a guy and you know, he's standing there and i'm like dude okay bod boyle I think I actually addressed this to Bob, like, specifically. I'm like, if you had been, like, in the Kennedy warehouse doing an object or something, you know what I mean? And telling me as a skater, please don't buy blanks. Please support my Andre in Kennedy warehouse. I would have been like, blanks are done. I'm fucking supporting Bob's yeah. Andre. Right? The thing is, the idea was done wrong. Oh, was it was executed shittily. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the execution. I was like... Bob, just give me an invert, and I will buy as many of your fucking pro models as you want. Don't just stand there against the wall saying, no, Bud, Mr. Poor Kid, tisk on you for buying that blank. You drink your sister's pee now. 
Like, fuck you, Bod. Fuck you and the goddamn English horse you rode into this fucking country on. Get out. You know, my grandparents kicked you out the first time. I'm not afraid to do it again. Get the fuck out of my country now. Goddamn blank-hating English bastard. But, you know, but it was like, if they had talked more like a skater on and, and that's the problem, though. Is you're right, this industry is not run by skaters anymore. Because if it was, they would talk to other skaters with a little more respect. Yeah. Oh, there's so much... Uh... There's there's so much hypocrisy riddled within the skate industry side of the culture. There's no doubt about it. Well, thank God we're because here. When it comes back to, <laughs> what, 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 well, there has to be someone has to be at least willing to stand up to something, or you know. And I've always said I'd rather stand die standing for something than to yeah. just live a whole life standing for nothing at all. Like, what the fuck good would that be? It, yeah. So it would be nice uh, if our industry was more like looking out for skateboarding. Like seriously, no, looking they're just out. Trying, mostly just trying to sell products. And there are some people who just do look hey, out for skateboarding and never make a penny. They just care about skateboarding. Hey, you know what? We're looking to make a profit too. I yeah. mean, no shit. We're business people, Everyone right? Everyone needs to make money, but you don't need to make it at. You need to try to make it fairly. Make good product. Give people good service. Do whatever like that, and earn your money. Not just expect someone to throw money at you because of, of who you are. Or, no, you know. Um, but yeah, there, but there's an element where this is our thing. And we need to protect the integrity of our thing because it's our fucking thing, right? I mean, that's somewhere we're like, I agree with Gross. We're like, you know, he's like, I get tired of seeing it, you know, sold down the river for pennies on the dollar. Like, and we all, as skateboarders, we represent that. Like, when we go to the skate park, Laura and I, like, and there's a newbie there, maybe a girl, she's kind of, oh, I'm a little afraid of this. Laura's right there, like, hey, I'll help you out. Or uh, I'm there, I'll help you out. Or our team riders are, we'll help you out. Because that's what skateboarders do. For sure. And But that's our way of protecting the thing. Because when I was a poor kid, someone's like, hey, you want to be a skateboarder? I'll sign my board for 10 bucks Or 12 or whatever the hell it was, right? And that's and then when it broke, one of my buddies, here's another one. Here's a hand-me-down. I don't need this anymore. The generosity of other skateboarders is what made me a skateboarder. And I'm sure it made a lot of skateboarders. Oh, that story is yeah. pretty universal. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But... Skateboarding isn't a fucking amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. But but but, but, but we need We're now grown we... men talking to a microphone. Yeah. About skateboarding. But now, like in the words of Olson, fucking cool. Literally, in the words of Olson, the like, coolest guy in skateboarding. Yeah. But we owe now, and we owe the next generation to pass down what we we were given. Be like, okay, this is yours now. Well, I, I would agree. I think you know, and everyone's going to do it in their own way. Because what did you get from it? I think we talked about this before we were in the podcast. Some guys were like, I was picked on all by the jocks. I wasn't. But that no. doesn't mean I don't understand that some people were. Some people so, were. so what I passed down, I'm going to pass down what I passed down because I have my own experience in skateboarding. Yeah. My experience is also very unique. I lived in Orange County where half of skateboarding happened. Yeah. I mean, when I made skateboards here, Brist, Schmidt made skateboards, Dorfman, we were making half the world skateboards in the city of Costa Mesa for 15 years or yeah. like that. So, I mean, I grew up in skate parks were sponsored. The most iconic things I was, I was sponsored. I was like, I have a def, definitely different experience than a kid who grew up in the Midwest. I know that completely. I know there might have been a kid always who was way better than me at all times. But you Didn't still matter. made your contributions. I, I made my contributions and, yeah. I, and I took what I had the ability to take. That's the way it is. Power is taken, not given. You jump in and take it. Um, and I always knew that there was somebody who could do something better or do something better. But the bottom line is you're, you're, what, you, what you know, how you were raised, what you were born into or that, those are things you don't get to choose. So well, not, you give back, but giving back is gets is a choice, and I would hope most skateboarders choose to give back in some form. And, and that's whatever the thing. form works for them. Like, Find a form, 
give back yeah. by teaching a kid, by encouraging someone, by, by donating standing a board, up for skateboard, by going to a city council meeting once time for a yep. skate park to get built. Yep. Um, just that's how you give back, and cumulatively, these skateboarders are pretty good at, at that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think all we can do is continue to give them more um, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement mm-hmm. that this is a good thing to do. You know, whatever whatever time you need to invest to be your part of skateboarding. You know, I fought really hard for my local skate park. I don't even go there that often anymore. I always go to a different place. But when I drive by and look at it, I'm like stuck. I go, I could die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. At least I know that I helped get something done that will go, that's gone on for, it's gone on for a few generations, even if it start, stopped tomorrow. But if it well, goes you on made for your positive contribution. Like that, exactly. And, and that's all you can do. You're at peace with it. You know, yeah. If you can leave something better than you you know, found it by, you, you're one skater who got help, you can help too. You exponentially helped pass it along. That might be so, a good place to stop this, yeah. by the way. Okay, all right. Bye. See you at the content. Yeah, okay, Podcast we're done. Over. Bye. Been wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. And have a wonderful oh, oh. whenever I get around to doing this. So I'd say weekend because it's actually going to be If you want to reach out to Laura and I and tell us how much we suck at podcasting, please do. Zeppelin Arrowworks is on Instagram and Facebook, and we actually respond to messages. Yeah, and I'm Gray Slide on Instagram. I'm sure there you, you go. Go do a gym jam for gym today. I, yeah, that, that would be cool. Be yeah, so on. Zeppelin Arrow Works. Um, yeah, we love our fans and we love our customers. So drop us a line sometime. Say hello. All right, and if anybody hates me, just write me now. Everyone no, loves you, Jim. Let, me, Shut let up. me know you hate me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. This week's episode was presented by Bet Online. Show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.